Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. So far, so good here on this Fast Friday. Mother Nature looks to be cooperating, I think, a little better than we perhaps thought leading into one of the more fan-friendly events or fan-friendly days, I think, at the track. If you want to maybe not be in the full throttleness of Carb Day a week from today, uh, head out to the track. It is Fast Friday. Gates open at 10. Cars on track from noon until 6. Um, I did see the Colts rookie class will be out there today. It's kind of an annual thing that they like to do and introduce the rookies to IMS. If I'm not mistaken, I think Anthony Richardson is in L.A. for a rookie event, so I, I don't know if you will see him necessarily out there, but uh, uh, always a, a very fan-friendly day over at IMS. Good Friday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton here. Um, Jake, throttle up the boost, right? For today, get ready for calls. That is correct. For those that are unfamiliar, and good morning to you, Kevin. Uh, you are right. Looks to be a good day outside. I thought you were going to say throttle up the boost. I had to do that yesterday because it was a, a full action-packed day, and I'm looking forward to today. Um, what they do is these are V6 2.2 liter, uh, basically turbocharged engines. So they, and this goes a little bit beyond my engineering capability intellectually speaking but they get what's called extra boost so a little bit of that exhaust boost that goes back into the engine they turn that up just a little bit that gives everybody about five miles maybe maybe as high as seven miles an hour more speed they keep that boost in the car between now and qualifying and then once the field is set they go back to the normal practice speeds same car obviously um so they just kind of um loosen up the governor a little bit if you will for today so the speeds will be up i would anticipate we may see i don't know that we'll see a 235 but i'll bet we see some high 234s mid 234s depends on the heat and the track as well but they're gonna be fast and i always like fast friday because i think from a just a businesses suites walking around drinking a beer standpoint today is when it really gets packed yeah and you know again carb day on track jake is what only two hours right uh, correct. So today you get six. So, you know, if you're going out there from noon or you're going out there at three or going out there at five and you want to see cars on the track, you know, carb day is much more of a party. Um, you will get that ability uh, for a large chunk of time today. It was good to be out there yesterday. I attended the event with you and Little Al. Terrific job by both parties in that. Uh, he's got a lot of stories, Jake. He does. I thought, uh, and for those, again, that are unfamiliar, thank you to. Top Notch, which is the marketing company that put together the Indiana Construction Union's annual legacy luncheon, so the awards for different union awards out throughout the course of the year. It's a packed house. It was. I mean, and I was terrified um, getting up in public speaking, Kevin, not a forte of mine, but getting up there onto the stage, thankfully Little Al was there, and we just did a and a I thought the best story he told, a lot of the stories that he told, you know, I've interviewed him enough over the years to, to kind of have heard some of those. But he told the story of in 1989 when he and Emerson Fittipaldi, Little Al is leading, Emerson Fittipaldi is behind him, 
and they're coming around for with two laps to go. They made contact in turn three. Little Al went into the wall, fit a Paul, he went on to win. And then, of course, a famous image. They're coming around, and Little Al's getting out of his car, and he walks down right next to the track as the field is coming by behind the pace car, and everybody's anticipating that he's going to throw his helmet or mm-hmm. double bird it. Double bird it. And he gives him two thumbs up. And I had never heard this until yesterday, but Alonzo Jr. said that he got out of his car and the safety worker said, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to go flip him off. And the safety worker said, okay, have at. So he said that he walked down there and then the interim amount of time between when he got out of the car and when the field actually came around, he recalled an incident when he was a kid. He went to a go-kart race in New Mexico with his dad and they saw a, a kid spin out and get out of his car upset and take his helmet off and slam it into the ground. And Allenser Sr. said to Allenser Jr., if I ever see you act that way as a race car driver, that'll be the last day you race. And he said, I heard my dad say it in my head and just thought that's not how we act. And so he gave him the thumbs up and they went past. And, and then, of course, five years later in 1994, the opposite thing. You know, little, little Al and Fittipaldi. Towards the end, Fittipaldi hit the wall, little Al went on to win. And he said that... Um, I did not realize this. Never had heard this. Emerson Fittipaldi, even prior to those incidents, was or is the godfather of Alonso Jr.'s daughter. I had no idea. So he was good. It was fun yesterday. It was a good day at the track. Um, No incidents on track so far. Two practices, all clean, only cautions for track inspection. Yeah, it's been a very clean two days and much needed, you know, after what we had Tuesday from a Mother Nature standpoint alexander rossi is going to join us at 8 45 today so we continue our tour of the era mclaren drivers with a guy that i would say has been a popular popular favorite over the last handful of years um pretty impressive what he's done just as an individual driver here at the 500 i don't know if he's maybe thought of on that top tier heading into a week from sunday but his track record is darn impressive with five top sevens in his seven starts. So he's going to join us at 845. We'll continue to give away a pair of tickets to the 500 a week from Sunday. Uh, we'll push the pop quiz to probably the last segment today because uh, we're going to have Caleb Keller on to talk the Preakness. The Preakness is tomorrow. So we've got the Preakness tomorrow. We've got the Fever season opener tonight. Again, we've got Qualls this weekend. PGA Championship is underway. Jake, the current leader of the PGA Championship, he's John Daly without the mullet. Really? 91 John Daly without the mullet. I love 91 John Daly. Love 91 John Daly. So think 91, cricket stick, big time underdog. Ninth alternate is you know is obviously a stretch with the current leader, Eric Cole. But um, this is a guy that actually won a minor league golf tour event within the last month. For those unfamiliar with how golf works... Uh, that is literally just like a bunch of dudes that think they're good in the state of Florida and they play for like 500 bucks. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so he's at five under par right now. Bryson DeChambeau at four under. DJ's hanging around, isn't he? Dustin Johnson had a nice opening round. Scotty Scheffler as well. Shout out to Avon's Patrick Rogers. He did not make a bogey, or he has not made a bogey so far. One under through his first, I think it's 13 holes, as uh, he's got a little bit to finish here this morning. So. How about Hayden Buckley? PJ Championship underway. Hayden Buckley, I've heard g- great things about him. He's One got of the, the nicer most, dudes out there. Well, he's got the, the best golf name out there. Hayden Buckley. T 
TCU, I want to say, for Hayden yeah, Buckley? Well, yes. Yesterday I was on the links with Hayden Buckley. Nice fella. Isn't that – doesn't Hayden Buckley sound like that's the kind of dude he'd be? Is it just me? Am I the only one that thinks Hayden Buckley sounds like an old, like, English country club name? You do like that accent, the uh, English country club accent. <laughs> I do. Now, Bryson DeChambeau, do you remember, Jake, when he gained all the weight and tried to hit it as far as he could every time? Do you remember that story? That was when he was by uh, Bryson DeChambeau, right? Well, yeah, you could go that path. Um, just literally slamming. You know how people just slam beers today at the track? You just slam protein shakes. <laughs> Picture, like... Joe Wright's physical state, like, you know, Joe Wright's put on, what, 60 pounds in 12 months or whatever it was, and then, like, has lost now some weight post-playing, or or Jeff Saturday, for that matter. That's kind of Bryson DeChambeau. Put on all the weight, hit the ball a mile, then he got hurt, and he got not good, and so now he's lost all the weight, and tremendous round one. He still pounds it, hit eight drives over 320 yards yesterday, but... Um, didn't pretty didn't good early leader. Joe board. Wrights used to tell the story about how he would wake up like three times a night to drink a protein shake and go back to sleep. Gosh, I mean, this morning I woke up at one thirty just to relieve myself. <laughs> Can you imagine it's an Mar- image we didn't Mar- need. Mark is staring at the floor, <laughs> Mar- painting a picture Mar- for the listeners here. Mark literally, oh. Mark literally swiveled his head and began staring at the floor. As soon as you said that, this Kevin goes trying off to be the an artist. Sometimes. <laughs> trying to be an artist here on this Friday morning. Speaking of artists, that was Jamal Murray last night in the fourth quarter. Man. Guys, I I thought the Lakers were going to get it. I thought the Lakers were going to get it done in Game Two. They really led throughout the first three quarters. Had you know a decent sized lead as well. Uh, but Jamal Murray with 23 points in the fourth quarter, and the Nuggets continue to be undefeated at home here in the playoffs. Um, this sounds pretty simple. I feel like the Lakers need to stop shooting threes. I mean, when you're leaning on Anthony Davis in the final couple minutes to just be jacking threes, it's not ideal. Guys not named Austin Reeves for the Lakers were 3 of 21 from behind the arc. I mean, how about Denver? You have the best player in the NBA in Jokic, another triple-double, ties Wilt for the most triple-doubles ever in a postseason. And You know, think about that. He's had seven triple-doubles now in the postseason. He's guaranteed at least four more games, of course. In all likelihood, there will be more than four games for Denver. So he's going to break that, potentially shatter that. And then Jake in the fourth quarter, it's like, uh, yep, Jokic, we're good. Jamal Murray's just going to take over. You know, Seven Jamal, pick, Murray, Jamal Murray, by Jamal the way. Murray is like the – so Denver – here's Denver. There are four ABA original teams in the NBA, as we know. Denver, San Antonio, Indiana, the Nets. So Denver's the last of that group to get to the finals, assuming they go this year. And I think of Denver as similar to the Pacers, not only historically, but maybe not as much from a competitive standpoint. The Nuggets are, I mean, they might be the number three team in the city of Denver, although I think Denver's kind of got nugget mania now, but understandably. But if you look at this Nuggets team and the way it's kind of come together, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute, like they're really good, and it's you know they got an international big guy that really came together, and that's to go along with this shooting guard that's streaky. I, but to to me, Jamal Murray is like their Jalen Rose. Like when Jalen Rose, when the Pacers went to the finals, Jalen Rose was never thought of as Pacers option A, but about every fourth game he'd have like thirty seven points, and you're like, wow. 
And that's Jamal Murray is a darn good player. And yet he's not their number one option. He's not the guy that you go through. I mean, if you are trying to game plan how to stop Denver, that's a challenge. Because when Murray gets hot like that, when you combine that with what you're talking about with Jokic, what do you do? Yeah, you know, Michael Porter Jr., Jake, as well. I mean, he was the one that... Very good player. You know, it's kind of a risk-reward type of pick with his injuries at Missouri. Um, and their supporting cast, can they do it away from home? That will be something to keep an eye on. But some other guys have shot it really well for them from the perimeter. So... Um, Denver up 2-0 in that series. Celtics and Heat tonight for Game 2. You guys surprised that that line again is 8.5? Celtics favored by 8.5? No, especially now, now that they lost Game 1. There's no way Miami wins tonight, right? If Miami wins tonight, I will drive to Ohio tonight after about the line, all day to get us Little Kings. What about you're admitting that it's in Ohio? No, well, I didn't go looking for it today, but I looked I, up. I went to six wh- liquor stores yesterday. Did you go to Payless Liquors, which is yes. a, an official three, show Three sponsor? Payless Liquors, actually. Okay. Oh, Mark Dykton, what a pal. Yeah, with the kids Thursday in tow. Where are you going, Dad? Dad needs to get some adult beverages because his co-host claims that this stuff is available. I, I think they discontinued that, sir, is what I was told multiple times. Look at Mark Dykton. Great homework by you. Six liquor stores, about 30 miles on my car. You got to go to, like, dude... Here comes Jake trying to justify it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll give you my Venmo. You can pay me back my gas. Money. I just think I'm going to bet decent money that the Kroger at like 10th and Rockville has Little Kings. How about this? If you're a liquor store listening to this show right now and you have Little Kings in stock, let us if know. If you are Thanks. a listener and you've seen Little Kings on a shelf anywhere in the last year, you have to give us a call. I will go, I will go get it. I will go get Little Kings. I'll bring it in. And I don't know what show for Carb Day, whatever. We'll have a Little Kings on the air. Uh, does Vegas know all? They had five and a half last night in the Nuggets Lakers game. Denver one hundred eight, LA one hundred three. I've taken the points on the home team or on the uh, away team in both these first games and won both of them. Playing so that might, playing might with fire out west. I know. I, I, I think you scoop the eight and a half with Miami. Uh-huh. I'm not so saying too. money line, but I don't know. Eight and a half seems I take like the points. A pretty good amount on that front. So again, game two will be tonight. That is an eight thirty tip from Boston. Uh, Alex Golden would like to know if I can do the entire show in my Hayden Buckley accent. That's not a bad call. I asked him why he hated Kevin and myself. Yeah, I think he's literally the only well, what one. Is that? I don't understand. Yes. So I told you guys I woke up at 1.30. Um, yeah, you did. <laughs> we've got this listener. Um, his Twitter name is Flippin. If you want to go back to the little Al and his thought process to Fittipaldi back in the day. But uh, Flippin is a diehard Carolina Hurricanes fan. Oh, okay. And he has attended, I believe last night was his fourth game. He sent me the first message about 7.05, like picture of the stadium. Uh, Did you see what time he would have had to exit the arena or he did exit the arena? What time did they... I will admit to the fact that I was in bed fairly early yesterday uh somebody just asked by the way who is typing so loud mark can't be me my hands are free is it me the sixth longest game in nhl playoff history with 13 seconds to go in overtime number four the florida panthers beat the carolina her carolina hurricanes 3-2 the game was 79 minutes and 47 seconds of game action so he sends me the first message at 7 whatever i said 715 and he literally sends me the last one at 155 saying just ended leaving the arena 
Nice. Imagine being at a sporting event from 7.15 to 1.55 in the morning aren't, and your team loses. Aren't pan, uh, Panthers are nocturnal, right? Would seem to be a disadvantage. If you're going to be playing Panthers well into the darkness of the night, that's not a, a good opponent to pick, right? I mean, it wouldn't. I mean, aren't hurricanes kind of 24 hours a day? <laughs> they are. But I mean, unless the eye of the storm is, is over in the middle of the night, then you're, everything's calm. You imagine playing hockey that long? Yeah, that's brutal. What time do beer sales cut off there? 13 seconds. Well, if it's Little Kings, they never start. Yeah, that's true. Apparently. 13 seconds to go in overtime four. So we were looking at a fifth overtime. Florida Panthers three. Did Carolina you watch the Hurricanes game? two? No, I, I told you I'm all in on the Panthers. I literally woke up at 1.30, and then all of a sudden, I he sends me his message, and I look at the score. I'm thinking, should I turn this on? For How the did end? Flippin become just, a Carolina Panthers fan? It's a good or, question. Excuse me, a Carolina Hurricanes fan. Now that's confusing too. You got the Carolina Hurricanes, but they're playing the Panthers. Now, if you're a Panthers fan of Carolina, you're used to yelling "Let's go Panthers." What happens there? That's got to be confusing, right? And then what if you're a Carolina Panthers fan and they draft somebody out of Miami and now all of a sudden you got a hurricane there? Now you're for, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, exactly. Where do you go? That is a ferocious, ferocious Panther, Mark. Thank you. You know, I'm not going to lie to you, and I'm not trying to say that I'm some sort of a cheesy cat dad now, but I do refer to Boo as my little Panther. Cheesy cat dad <laughs> should be like your Instagram handle. <laughs> a little Panther, that could be taken in a couple of ways. <laughs> What, Mark? What are we doing here? Speaking what, of that, what, did you what, see what, the? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you see the? Yeah, the, baby. Uh, yeah. The Dustin Johnson injury situation. Did you happen to see this, Mark? No. Dustin Johnson had a lower back injury a few weeks ago, and one of the reporters at the PJ Championship asked if he hurt his back picking up one of his children. I, I, I believe the exact phrase was "little kid." Dustin with a smirk said, No, it was the big kid that I live with. Oh boy. Woo! The tie in there, of course, hockey. Paulina Gretzky, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The daughter of Wayne oh Gretzky, my. there. Uh, Dustin Johnson with a nice opening round yesterday. Uh, hey, Jake, Little Kings was. Okay, I probably shouldn't even read this on the air. Are we going to do this again for three Little, hours? Little Kings was the first beer I drank at the age of 11. Yeah, I don't 11? Think, I don't think that's where we wanted to go with that. Um, however, however, thank you, Nick. Number one, Hayden Buckley voice all that. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, number two, Little Kings at Total Wine and More. I just saw it. I wouldn't there think it'd be at a okay, total There you line. go. Go off. Uh, thank you, Scotty, for this. Yes. Yes. Leave right now. If I leave right now, we get, we could be cracking them by 8.30. 79 minutes of overtime last <laughs> night door. in that game. Obviously, you throw on 60 of regulation, 139 minutes and 47 seconds of ice hockey. Have we started the Western Series yet, or is that is that not underway for the NHL? We'll have to look that up, too. Do you think Stephen Holder's a big fan of the Panthers? By the way, shout out to Zach Kiefer. Zach yes. Kiefer uh, moving off the Colts beat. Uh, I've always thought this about Zach. There is no, I, I, and I mean this in all seriousness, not just because he comes on our radio show or I see him quite often. There is no better long form or feature writer that I've come across in, certainly in the NFL, than Zach Kiefer. He is moving more into kind of that world with the athletic. Uh, so many more national NFL stories, many more stories about other teams in the NFL. He is off the Colts' beat. So 
A shout out to him. After yeah. last season, they're probably like, you know what? You've earned the promotion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, Dallas and Las Vegas tonight, game one of the Western Conference Finals in the NHL. Cracking and star. So, congrats to Zach Kiefer. Well, so that also well means deserved. does that mean promotion for anyone, or what do they do there? Because they've always had two on that beat. Right? Yeah, I, I assume they would hire another. I, I don't know how the athletic will operate there, but James Boyd, of course, has been on that beat for I guess it's probably approaching a year. Bob Kravitz does a little bit of everything for the athletics, so that'll be something uh, to keep an eye on. But Zach does a really nice job. Asks tr- tremendous questions at press conferences, so we'll miss his presence. Uh, on the beat. Now, he will still be based locally, right? So I would imagine yes. that a lot of his stories will be from a local standpoint, correct? Uh, I assume he's going to do a good amount of travel, right? I mean, do the Colts really move the needle nationally? That's that's a very good point. Again, Colts rookies out of the track today, Fast Friday for the second straight day. You had Chip Ganassi Racing go 1-2. Jake, I think for the second straight day, they had four in the top ten. Uh, yesterday, it was Takumasato, then Scott Dixon. Uh, excuse me, Wednesday, it was Takumasato and Scott Dixon. Yesterday, it was the defending champ, Marcus Erickson and Scott Dixon. Uh, I'll ask you it again, Ganassi or the field? I'll still take the field because I think yesterday, you know, Rossi, who's going to join us a little over an hour from now, he did 165 laps yesterday, which is a lot. But clearly, they're working on different things for Aaron McLaren. They found some speed late. Connor Daly was fast in the top five. Colton Herta had some speed. Um, and McLaughlin had really good qualifying type simulations. So I don't know that everybody has shown everything just yet. Can I throw you maybe in the next segment some names for the Fast 12? Sure. And then who are we worried about? Ray Hall, Letterman, Landing, and Racing. They could be RC, bumping things? Well, there's only going to be one bumped, but R.C. Enerson yesterday, by the end of the day, once everybody started flexing a little muscle – that young team, R.C. Enerson and Able Motorsports, um, was 34th out of 33. But Catherine Legg, Christian Lungard, and Graham Rahal, all three looked like they were kind of struggling to find speed. Meyer Shank Racing found speed late. Simon Pagino ended up turning a really good lap late. But in terms of consistency, lap to lap, Castro Nevis and Pagino, I think, both would like to find some speed as well. So, obviously, we'll keep an eye on those things because tomorrow, of course, you're going to set the lineup 13 to 30. And then you're going to have four cars going for three spots on Sunday, bumping one, and then you'll have 12 cars to slot into the first four rows. Jake, refresh my memory on how tomorrow works. One qualifying run, you're guaranteed. And then, how does the risk-reward go from there? Isn't there like a priority lane and a... Yeah, and it gets admittedly, Kevin, confusing. So everybody gets one, right? Yes, and then you have two lanes. You can go. You can go back in to requalify if you get in the right lane. I, I'll have to look this up to confirm because I'll admit they've changed it a few times, and right. I, I get very confused by it. The left lane you can go and prioritize and skip through everybody to go out, but in doing so, you have to automatically pull your time, meaning you are now you are no longer secured a spot of where you qualified or even a spot in general. If you pull your time and then you go out and on the second lap, you know, you hit the wall, you're out. I mean, until you can go back through and repost a time. So that that's how that works. And then on Sunday, you come back and the, you set the field. The front four rows basically go back 
to a clean slate, you are guaranteed no worse than a 12th position, but you go back out to then determine 1 through 12 and then 13 to 33, etc. Weather looks pretty good for tomorrow. I remember in years past, Jake, a big deal has been made, understandably. Uh, I remember Joseph Newgarden talking about this, of if you drew, and, and tonight that'll happen, after practice today will be the qualifying draw. You know, if you drew an 11.30 a.m. slot, you were at a huge advantage over the guy that drew a 3.30 p.m. slot just based off weather. I mean, that could be like a... I don't know, a 10 to 15 degree, 15 degree difference in the day. And I think a lot of drivers have pointed to that of being a big difference in how they've qualified. Tomorrow, the temperatures don't look as volatile as maybe you had last year. So more, maybe a little bit more of an even playing field uh, if you want to look at it like that. Uh, Bill had a quick question. Not guaranteeing I'll know the answer but or that Kevin will, but we will do our best before we get to the check down here coming up in just a few. Bill, what's up? Good morning to you make it quick i know that drivers uh, who are up and coming often say they look towards former drivers veterans uh maybe not to uh i don't say emulate but definitely pattern their driving style after you as a broadcaster coming up in ims and the broadcasting network how did you go about doing that did you emulate saying i don't want to uh, copycat but i definitely like their style was it maybe like a lou palmer lou henry uh, Mike Ahern, uh, someone of that elk, or did you just say, you know what, I'm Jake Query, I'm going to set my own tone? Uh, well, I appreciate... Bill, you got a great voice. He's got a you, great voice. You do. Bill, have you done broadcasting before? Uh, Jake, uh, <clears throat> I've uh, dabbled in it uh, for the last 26 years. Hmm. Are you st- are you currently in broadcasting? <laughs> uh, I am, but not in this market. Do you want to okay. fill in while Jake goes looking for Little Kings? <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, I appreciate the question. Um, the answer is this. The answer is when I was a kid, all the way through really high school, I would tape the Indy 500 on the radio and listen to it fairly often because I loved the energy of it. So I don't know that there was any one person that I emulated. I probably... There are probably phrases that I have used just because it's like hearing lyrics to a song to me because I've listened to so many of those old broadcasts. Um, this is probably not the smartest thing in the world, but I don't listen to any that I have done just because I can't hear my own voice. Um, but I have a great respect for all all of those guys, more so like a, just as the way they conducted themselves. Bob Jenkins would be a numero uno. So Bob Jenkins probably... Uh, Jerry Baker as well. Those two guys. I thought Larry Henry was outstanding when Larry Henry was in Turn Three. Um, you know that was kind of my peak era of listening to and following the race. And Larry Henry, I thought, was as good as it gets. And there is no doubt in my mind. I am well aware of it. I'm not just saying it. I am well, well, well aware of the fact that the only thing that I would have in common with any of those names is I happen to currently be at the same place of employment where they once worked, and the similarities end there. And I'm well aware of that. Well aware of it. Looking at times here, Jake. Uh, you guys tomorrow, what am I seeing here? 4 to 6, IndyCar Radio Network. Looks like 11 to 1 and 4 to 6. Correct. Uh, turns up at, from 4 to 6, too. So uh, by turns up, I mean we will have the full slate, full broadcast team up there. Uh, 2 to 6 then on Sunday. Uh, Greg Gregstraw, who will kind of quarterback a lot of our pre and, and post and just in general qual coverage, he's going to join us coming up here at eight o'clock again it is a beautiful boy if we get this for carb day um it is a beautiful friday here in indianapolis fast friday we'll talk to alexander rossi coming up at 8 45 and a whole lot to get to from a hardwood standpoint 
as well. Hope the week has been great for you. Thank you for ending it with us. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. By the way, that was Indianapolis broadcast icon Bill Ramika who called in who just said, thanks for taking the call. I love Bill. He is a talented, talented guy, has been for a long time. And I don't know anybody who's ever worked with Bill Ramika that doesn't say that he wasn't super fun to work with. He's got a hell of a voice. He does. Speaking of uh, hell of a voice, Derek Thomas for the news, Channel 6. Uh, also sent me a text saying, hey, man, that was Bill Ramika. So I appreciate that Derek, one of my very early influences in broadcasting, listening to the program. Last Another night, Major icon. League Baseball, total icon. Uh, Cardinals doubled up the Dodgers 16-8 to yesterday. It was the Marlins 5-3 over the Washington Nationals. Cleveland, uh, Cleveland over the White Sox 3-1. The cute fellow Baltimore Orioles on the short end against the LA Angels 6-5. And the Yankees doubled up Toronto 4-2. See the Indians get a win in baseball on Education Day, 10-5 yesterday. Uh, Victory Field, home for them the rest of the weekend, 7-05 first pitch tonight. Uh, Eight home games for the Denver Nuggets in this postseason, eight wins for them. Uh, It was a bit of a struggle, though, through the first three-ish quarters for the Nuggets. Jamal Murray came alive in the fourth, though. Uh, They go up 2-0. Uh, Murray had, was it 24? I think it was 23 of his 37 in the fourth quarter. Um, Nikola Jokic, 23, 17, and 12. The Lakers continue to struggle from behind the arc. Guys not named Austin Reeves. Uh, Three of 21 from three. Uh, Is the series over? No. Series begins when a road team wins the first game, but mm-hmm. I I am going to go, yes, it's over. Mark Dykton had Lakers in seven, right? I thought yep. Lakers would win too, but now that they're down two nothing, I'd so yeah, if they lose in L if they lose in LA, then I will I will change my question team. is, is game two of the Eastern Finals with Boston hosting Miami, if for some reason Miami was able to pull out another win and they go up two love back to South Florida, is that series over? Unless Jimmy Butler gets hurt. I mean, if they go up 2-0 and then you throw home court, boy, that's really, really tough to handle. Boston And if does. Miami's, like, look at what their undrafted guys did in I game know. one on, on the road. You know, I've always I felt this in the playoffs. It's one thing when your supporting cast does something at home. Okay, you know, the jolt of the crowd, the use of that arena, all of that. Doing it on the road, that's a different story. And, like, I mean, undrafted guys in the NBA do not contribute like those Miami guys have done. So, a game two tonight at 8.30. Partying over there? I don't know. All of a sudden, every once in a while, my phone just like sounded like the Clemson fight song was about to get ready to play. Uh, speaking of parties, over at IMS today, noon is when cars will get back on the track. Uh, Jake, anything stand out to you from a takeaway standpoint yesterday? Ganassi yeah, did it again. Yeah, Ganassi obviously has a lot of speed, um, and that was not to be surprised. Or, you know, I was not to be surprised by that because they had been fast. From the get-go, but I think what we're starting to see is that, and Will Power had talked about this, that teams were going to do different alignments, different setups in terms of cars. Um, you know, three team, three car teams were going to go out and maybe do three different setups, to, and so it becomes difficult to know exactly where people are. But what we saw yesterday is at different intervals, everybody that you started to write off all of a sudden would have one jump up, and you go, okay, so they are okay. Like for example. 
Castronev is Pagano. Really slow through most of the day. Late in the day, boom, Pagano jumps up like into a top six speed. And you go, okay, so the team does have some ability to find some speed. The one team that seems to struggle right now still, Ray Hall, Letterman, Landing, and Racing. Christian Lungard, Graham Ray Hall, Catherine Legg seem to lack being consistently fast. R.C. Enerson, who was the one that most people thought, if everybody makes a qualifying attempt, will be the odd car out. At the end of the day, R.C. Enerson was the one that still was unable to get off of that 34th spot in terms of the speed. But... Today, with that extra boost, and people are going to start finally going for it. It'll be curious to see, I'll be curious to see uh, who is lagging there around that eleventh row area. Uh, Alexander Rossi going to join us here in an hour. We'll sneak in before we hit a break here. The PJ Championship round one is back underway again. That is round one. A few groups still had to finish. Among those finishing this morning, Eric Cole, the leader from last night. Uh, he was at five under to start the day. The solo lead. They say that sleeping on the lead feels a little different. Double bogey on his first hole back out this morning. So it looks like Bryson DeChambeau will be your official round one leader as round two gets underway pretty much at the same time this morning. Again, absolutely gorgeous today. And like it feels like the perfect spring day. I might it might be a little bit of a stretch. Um, Is it going to be human? I know. I think it's supposed to be like perfect. Like 71. Uh, just glorious, and hopefully the rain will hold off to get the entire session from noon to 6 in today over at IMS. Uh, we'll give away a pair of tickets to the 500 as well in the pop quiz to round things out. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton right here, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, Jake, I got pen and paper out, okay? Okay. We will find out tomorrow the 12 cars that will be in the running for the pole sitter for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500 coming up a week from Sunday. I've got 12 names, okay? Okay. I need you to tell me if you would take any off, add any to the list, etc., okay? Scott Dixon, Alex Pillow, Marcus Erickson, Ed Carpenter, Joseph Newgarden, Will Power. Let's just start there with those six. Are you good with those six? I would have some hesitation regarding Ed Carpenter. Okay. Now, I think that team is really good at finding 
I mean, aren't they kind of the qualifying Correct. team? In terms of setting up cars for qualifying, they are typically really good. Traffic and with dirty air around the car is where they struggle a little bit, typically. But they did have Connor Daly sixth yesterday. But I still would be I would I would be cautiously optimistic on Ed Carpenter. Okay, then to round it out for me, uh, the other six I will go with Pato Award, our eight forty five guest Alexander Rossi, Scott McLaughlin, Colton Herda, Renus VK, and the fastest on Wednesday, Takuma Sato. Okay, VK, same comments as Ed Carpenter. Same team, same potential uh, of like an issue. I would say this, of of the drivers, and again, you're talking about 12 that are hoping to be able to get into the front four rows. Of the drivers that you mentioned, I would give you a list of, I'm going to go two different little lists here. The first, I'll go McLaughlin, Power, Herda and I'm not going to say Sato. Um, probably one of those aero cars. So let's go with just Rossi. Okay. And I'm basing this not on those drivers, but on the law of averages. Because they come from teams with multiple cars, one of those, one of those four is going to be. I'm not saying definitively, but when you have multiple car teams, a lot of times they will try multiple setups in qualifying, and one of them will be totally out to lunch. And it's like, whoa, they totally missed on sending that guy out. And and they might not get a second chance. Did not work, and now they're chasing it all day. So I'll say, based on the law of averages, that one of those four is that guy. Remember a couple years ago when Power, it was just like, oh my gosh, is Power going to get bumped? So one of those four, McLaughlin, Power, Herta, Rossi. Let's say one of those four just has, becomes in the law of averages, those guys. Then I'm going to give you four others. David Malukas. Hmm. He qualified pretty high last year, if I remember correctly. Ryan Hunter-Ray. Um, Still no sponsor on the car for Hunter-Ray? Correct. You think uh, Three Little Kings is holding out for him? <laughs> It's just little kings. Had a uh, worker at That'd be a, awesome. A white and green little kings car would be awesome. Had a worker at one of the liquor stores that you hear on these airwaves say during the break. Little Kings is still made. It's just not available in Indiana, Kevin. I it's Road available in Indiana. Trip it to Cincinnati. No, nope, nope, mm. it's available. I'm telling you. Who said that yesterday? I appreciate and that tra- clarification. Traveled to six liquor stores to prove Jake wrong. We three little kings. Yes. Yeah. It's just little kings. Okay, David Malukas, Ryan Hunter, Ray, Simon Pagano. Pagano um, was up there yesterday. And I'll say Graham. Okay, one of those four. Ferrucci. Ooh, okay. There you go. There you go. There you go. Malukas, Hunter Ray, Pagano. I'll take Graham out and put in Ferrucci. One of those four is going to be the one that's like, whoa, hello, okay. I didn't know that was there in that car. And they're going to be like the surprise entrant. Alex Pelot did this as a rookie. Um, Malukas did it, I think, last year, where all of a sudden they, they really flex and they show some speed that they had not shown at all. So... 
that's how it's going to play out. There's going to be one surprise in there. There's going to be one that was expected to be in there that just is completely out to lunch. And then it's going to be a lot of the names and teams that you expect to be there. Kyle texts and goes, what about Marco? I think Marco, in the COVID year, right? Yeah, I think Marco is probably... I think Marco's got a decent car. I think Marco has a... Like if... It's an interesting looking car, by the way. That The 98... It's kind of a. It's got a blue, right? Yeah, like a blue. Isn't there like a purple? If I'm not mistaken, there's always there? there are always like two cars that just jump out at me, and my eye can never adjust to who it is. Connor Daly's the other one. Daly's got kind of a blue. He's got like, dice on the side of the car, Daly. Does it really? Pretty sure that's what I saw yesterday. Um, the uh, Marco's got a decent car. I mean, Marco Andretti, I think probably will. I could see Marco Andretti starting in the fifth or sixth row. And then you just hope the chips fall where they may. You know, the the year that he got the the poll, I mean, he was the first to admit he's one of only, I don't know, twelve or thirteen poll sitters to not lead a race, not lead a lap in the race in which they were on the poll. And he said, he's like, look, I had a great qualifying car, but then once the race started, once I got in traffic, I, I couldn't move it past anybody, and so you just fall back. You bring up Pagano with speed. Would his teammate fall into that boat? Would Elio? Uh, I mean, Elio... He hasn't been as high as his teammate here in the first two days, but obviously last what year... You would have to Qualified assume, 27th, right? Yeah. I mean, what you would have to assume for Elio is that yesterday they just said, look, we have two cars and we're going to do two totally different setups and see which one works. And it worked for Pagano and it didn't for Elio. So one would assume then that they take Elio's car and put it and line it up with Simon. The other thing, though, Kevin, that... that is easy to forget different drivers like a car to feel differently because they drive totally differently you know some drivers drive deep into the turn in other words like at the last second they're making the the left-handed turn and so therefore they like the car to be what we call free meaning like you, you barely touch the you know i mean i don't know if you've ever been in like a even like a bumper cars or something like that but like every once in a while you get in one and the steering wheel like you barely touch the thing it's like holy cow the car just like immediately responded then other times you're sitting there and you're about to break your wrist because there's like is there no power steering in this thing and that is true for the way drivers like their car setup some of them like more to use that generic term more power steering some of them like it more free where you're constantly just a bare a, a slight touch so that is a challenge sometimes for teams because two different drivers can have two completely different ways that they like the car to feel before they feel natural in being able to move it around the track, quite frankly. This is from a very prominent figure in the liquor business here. Uh, correct. Little Kings is not available in Indiana anymore. Right before COVID, someone bought the brand and they don't have the capacity to make enough. Anything is available if you try hard enough. I, you know, I mean, you gotta. It's about effort. Did your commencement speaker say that? It's about effort and determination. You put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. Somebody had to have seen Little Kings on a shelf somewhere. It just means that it's been there since 2018, and that's fine. Three little kings down the liquor aisle we go. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Should we make a poll pick here for Sunday? And we can't pick Dixon. So no one's ever been on the poll three straight years. Is that correct. what Dixon's going for? That's correct. Uh, man, I'll go Polo. Ah, uh, that's really hard to beat, man. 
That is really hard to argue, Kevin Bowen. Kind of took the big one off the board there. If you went with Pillow, and I – does that mean I can't go with a Ganassi driver since we – Well, I, let's say no Dixon. Neither can pick Dixon. But you've already taken Pillow. Who do we have on Monday, Smart by the money way, Mark? would be Marcus Erickson. Monday looks like we're going to have uh, Santino Ferrucci and possibly Graham Ray Hall. Oh, wow. And the pole sitter. Well, yeah. it might be one of those two. Look at mm-hmm. that. Who mm-hmm. knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say on pole, I, I, I think Dixon and Polo, it's going to be one of those two, to be honest with you. I'll say Marcus Erickson. No, you know what? Curveball. I'll say Sato. Give me Sato. I like it. I feel like he's all gas, no brake. <laughs> I uh, wish his car had a different paint scheme, by the way. The Panasonic isn't doing it for me. Really? I just like Sato because he learned how to speak English while living in Britain, and so therefore he has a British accent, and he just never, it surprises me every time. And he's like super polite. Uh, yeah, if, um, the car felt good. Uh, you know. He is so polite. I, oh, yeah. uh, every time I hear him talk, I'm like, can I give you a hug? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is an absolutely uh, postcard perfect you picture hug? perfect. Who was the person that I wanted to lay my head on his belly? <laughs> I don't know. You've had some weird. Hold, hold You've said some it wasn't Huggins, lately. right? Because boy, Huggins is certainly taking no. a turn here publicly. Hold on. Was it Buzz Peterson? Nah, yeah, uh, Buzz Williams. <laughs> Buzz Williams. Yeah, sorry. Buzz Peterson is a North Carolina right. player, wasn't he? I'm going way back to the mid '90s. Uh, yeah. yeah, sweaty Buzz, Buzz Williams. There. Buzz Williams. Yep. Yeah, you said he, you said he was a heavy sweater, yet you still wanted to lay your head yeah, on his stomach. I know that now I say that out loud. I kind Mark of Mark was that. reading that like he has a transcript of the show. <laughs> it was a dark day for me. Wow, bad My Kevin comments. Mark it. has in his notes over there. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful Friday here for Fast Friday, and it looks like from a rain standpoint, uh, should be relatively quiet until the end of the noon to six session out there at IMS today. So hopefully we'll continue to dodge Mother Nature as we have the last couple of days with no crashes over there at IMS. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton, Greg Rakestraw on the other side. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, you just had to go there, didn't you, Kevin? I mean, hearing that back, not one of my finer moments. I also find it hard to believe that Mark Dykton can somehow find that, but he can't hit the swoosh button. Yeah, that is... I hit the swoosh button multiple times in that first morning check down. You want it again, and give it to you. There you go. Seems to know where the swoosh and the plop. Hey, Mark, hang around. I'm sure you want to join this circus. Um, but first, let's go to the Payless Icarus hotline. Greg Rakestraw joins us. To talk about a number of different things. Greg, we're going to begin right with what happens at 16th and Georgetown. Kevin and I were just talking about it. I think you'll probably agree. Front runners for pole. Dixon, Polo, Erickson. I mean, basically anybody out of that Ganassi stable, take your pick. But give me the somebody, if there's going to be a pole sitter that is not a Chip Ganassi driver, it's who? Pato Award. Uh, I would put the Aero McLaren cars right behind that. You know, the Penske cars, I think, will be a factor come race. They have not been as big of a factor the last couple of years, seemingly from a speed standpoint. 
And again, I think you'll get one of the Andretti cars kind of up there in the mix. Maybe it's Colton Herta. Maybe you get one of the Ed Carpenter racing cars, you know, that that is up there. But right now, you know, you kind of put the Ganassi cars as the three favorites and the driver slash team I think that would come next would be the lead driver of the Aaron McLaren Bunch and Pato Award. And I'll tell you what, Greg, and I know that his talent level would be the reason alone for having him, but clearly Aaron McLaren is benefiting already from the guy that we're going to talk to in about 40 minutes and Alexander Rossi because, man, they are putting him to work. It reminds me of Dario Franchitti when he was with Andretti Autosport and on the practice days, they'd send Franchitti out and just go, okay, go do 180 laps and let us know how the track's changed and try different setups and everything else. Invaluable to have a guy that you can do that with. Well, amazingly, you know, he's kind of like the old guy now. And let's face know. it, you know, drivers can, can do this for 20, 25 years. Dixon, Tony Kanaan, Elio Castro, Neves are proving. Um, but if you are entering your eighth Indianapolis 500 and eighth full season in the series, uh, to me, that's hit old guy status. And obviously, we could figure out that Alexander was pretty wise at a young age, let alone with seven more years of track time added to that. So that's not surprising in the least. Greg, Rake Shaw is with us. Rake, you're going to be wall to wall coverage, right? Tomorrow and Sunday? That is correct. I, I think I get 10 hours of radio airtime over the weekend on the fan. One of those is dedicated to Soccer Saturday. I'm actually leading into me. So I'm the host of Soccer Saturday at 9, but I'm the host of IndyCar coverage at 10 a.m. Rake, I said this to Jake, and I've said it the past couple of days, and I'll probably throw this question at pretty much every race-related guest that we have on over the next week or so. Uh, if I gave you one pile that has just the Ganassi cars for a week from Sunday and the other pile has the other 29 cars in the field, which one are you taking? I would still take the other 30 cars or the other 29 cars in the field. But man, it would be close. Uh, just because, you know, again, there are some of the Ganassi drivers that you simply put in the mix in terms of they have a chance to win every time out. And seemingly, I would put Polo and maybe even Erickson above Dixon at this point. And that, that is a statement. This is kind of the first time where I tend to wonder, hey, this is now 21, 22 years in for Scott. Are, are we starting to see him come down a little bit? But it may simply be simply how, how that team is doing things differently, how solid Erickson is, how outstanding Polo can be on a race in, race out basis. And then obviously, you got Takuma Sato at the Indy 500, man. It, it happens. He, t- he tends to run up front. So I think I would take the 29 over the four, but it's not an easy decision, Kevin. You know what, Greg? I'm going to put this in football terms for those that are not diehard racing fans. And then I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree. When you start to see, inevitably, father time creep in on athletes, sometimes it's a sharp fall off, sometimes, you know, and it happens right before your very eyes, and sometimes it's fairly gradual. In Scott Dixon's case, it's been almost non-existent until now, but yet he is so smart and savvy that I think he knows if there are limitations where they are, and so he doesn't allow them to define him. What I'm getting at is, to put it in football terms, the the age or the twilight of Scott Dixon to me looks a little bit like if this is what we're entering into, Philip Rivers as a Colt. And by that I mean there might not be as much zip, but there is still an incredible savviness and tactical strategy and understanding that allows them to still perform at a level 
that is not in any way, shape, or form an embarrassment or detriment at all to their legacy. Whereas other players, it it falls off so fast and they're still chasing it and you're like, okay, man. And, And in Dixon's case, I think he still has it there and he has the resources around him. It's just a matter of it not being maybe hour to hour like it used to be. Make sense? What I would say is this, is I would actually bump it up a a, a level further. Um, I I think I would compare him to Tom Brady was a quarterback at 43 and 44, right? And and that's the age range we're talking about for Scott Dixon at this point. The other person I would compare him to would be Rafael Nadal. You know, Rafa announced this week he's not playing the French Open and that basically his body is telling him it's time. He's going to try to come back and play as many tournaments, as many slams in 2024 as possible. But that's it. And Rafa is one of the greatest tennis players of all time, clearly, if not the greatest. Well, when it comes to IndyCar, Scott Dixon is one of the greatest of all time. Remember, you know, he, we're not talking about like Mario and AJ have more wins in an IndyCar race than does Scott Dixon. Obviously, Scott has not been able to find a greater deal of success at the Indy 500, winning just one. <laughs> Excuse me, getting a frog in my throat this morning. That's not good. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Take some water, Rake. Take a break. You're good on that. I, I have a question, by the way, for you and Rake after this. Well, um, you, I'll start the answer until Rake okay. collects his. Perfect. His uh, so Alexander Rossi, Jake, is yep. going to join us here at 845. And I was thinking to myself last night, Rossi is the last American winner of the 500 in 2016. We have had two American winners since Sam Hornish in 06. Ryan hunter Ray being the other. Okay. I think this way about American men's tennis, ironically, Ray just brought up Rafael Nadal. Is that an issue for the future of the sport? From an American standpoint, I certainly think you could say that, although now you have some rising young, I mean, you know, Kyle Kirkwood's obviously Like, do American. we need a Herda? Do we need um, a new garden for the future to win. of the sport? Yeah, uh, yeah, it wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't hurt in terms of the popularity of the 500 itself. I don't know on road and streets that it means as much, but for the legacy of the 500, it probably wouldn't hurt. Yeah, it's kind of crazy though. Two since 06. That's I mean, got, that was, isn't that one of the? Long, I mean, it's got to be one of the longer stretches ever. That that was always the kind of the irony of the. I have always said the irony of the open wheel racing split is the fact that the Indy Racing League was brought about to bring more and give more opportunity to the short track oval american drivers and yet if you look at the people who won the race as soon as the split happened i mean yeah you had cheever and then that's followed up by you know lion dyke or, or i'm sorry the year before you know lion dyke and then breck and then montoya and then castro nevis and you know what i mean yeah it and almost it, went in the opposite direction trust me i think it's a really cool element that you look at the last what six seven years it's sweden it's brazil it's japan it's france i it's personally Australia. love it because it puts indianapolis on the map and it shows sure. that it's the best you know the most diverse in the world but i i understand your point uh greg your thoughts thanks for tap dancing for me um and what's crazy on that front as I remember, like the conversation, like 06, 07, we said, "Hey, look at this new wave of American drivers that is coming in." That was the debut period for like Graham Rahal, Marco Andretti, obviously Danica Patrick came in the year before in 05, and now we're getting to the end of that cycle of drivers. Now, Jake's point is well made. You know, Kyle Kirkwood being a young American driver, and obviously Alexander Rossi is Lucas. Lucas will be another one soon, but. It's, it's, you know, crazy to think how 
how times fly by for all of us. You know, imagine sitting here and saying to either of you two in 1998 after Eddie Cheever wins the 500, over the next 24 years, there will only be four American winners. <laughs> you know, it, I, to me, right. that is that is kind of wild, but totally. Uh, Obviously, it's a really cool aspect to Jake's point how international it is, and certainly, you know, when you have three hundred plus thousand in the, did you just crack a PBR? I did. Yep. Go big or go home, Kev. That type Last of Friday, Friday apparently, and, and obviously, let's say this: it's going to be a matter of if and not when Joseph Newgarden becomes an sure. American winner of this race. That is that is going to happen at some point, and again, it could be as soon as you know nine days from now. Most starts for Roger Penske without. Winning an Indy 500. And you can bet he's chomping at the bit to end that streak. Greg, you ever had Little Kings? No, oh, jeez. Uh, it, it, you know, I actually heard you reference them yesterday on the show. Reference? And, you mean rant? <laughs> well, that, you know, I was I was thinking about this because as a regular, you know, listener and contributor on the program. I'm like, if, if I happened to be on the show when Jake brought this up as like your college drink of choice, at the beginning of it, like of the Zima era, I apologize for that. Um, and then it was, and then it was kind of like you know, I was in like the the ice house, like darker Killian, stronger beer, you know, type of of uh, of, of college age. So, do you remember the red beer phase? Education, you know, just just kind of, I just missed the little king. So, so, so did you go through? So you were so I've always said beer fascinates me, Greg, because there's different eras. You had the ice era, which was like Ice House and Bud Ice. Correct. And that that immediately followed the dry era, Bud Dry, Michelob Dry, etc. Then everything was red, Red Dog, Red House, Killian's Red. Everything was red. Even the beer wasn't even red, but the name was. I would I would have a, a pay the month or a pay the rent kegger the last Friday of every month. And there were a couple of times we lucked into Killian's Irish Red Kegs, um, which you know, we, you know, the, the month the, the rent was easily paid uh, that month because you could you know charge a little extra premium for that. How about um, that? By the way, Jake did not crack open a PBR just to clarify. Some people might be worried about him on the broadcast later today. Rockstar Energy, right? That's right. Fruit Punch. Uh, How about uh, Red Stripe? Did you ever do the Red Stripe? Hooray! I did. Absolutely. (laughs) I'll never forget. Red Stripe, uh, you know, we had a Jamaican party once, and of course everybody got Red Stripe, and we're halfway through it, and Pat Graham stands up and goes, "Um, I've got bad news for everybody. Turns down the music. Says here, this is made in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. <laughs> We're all like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought it's made in Kingston, Jamaica. What is going on here? Yeah, it's a total buzzkill. Uh, Rake, speaking of, I guess, Pat Graham, or speaking of, I guess, Indiana high school basketball, um, obviously a big news earlier this week, and I believe it was a national federation rule in eliminating the one-on-one for boys high school basketball coming up. Uh, I've got little issue to it. Uh, to me, you know, it kind of stays away from foul fest, and, you know, I, I kind of like the idea of five fouls and you reset each quarter. Your thoughts on no more one-on-one? I don't think it's that big of a deal um, because we were already at the point where the most one-and-ones you're going to shoot in a given half was going to be three. Um, when, when you are fouling trying to catch up, um, maybe it, it forces your hand defensively to try to be a little more aggressive in terms of trap and not foul, knowing you're giving the other team two shots. I think the biggest bonus of that rule is more, I see it at the women's collegiate level, where because of resetting, you, 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 you the, the pace of the game tends to move a little quicker. 
I don't think that's an issue in high school basketball. Like, I rarely, when doing a high school basketball game, say, man, this game is taking forever for this game to get done. I just, I just just rarely feel that. Most of the games that we do, hour 20, hour 25, hour 30, they tend to move at the high school level. So uh, I'm, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I also just don't think it's a big deal, as a lot of people were making it out to be earlier this week. Are the reasons we don't have a shot clock in the high school game pretty much around finances and staffing? That you nailed it. Um, again, I would say I frankly don't think we need it. The only time that we tend to hit that need for a shot clock, somebody will complain about it, is if somebody's going to hold the ball for like the last minute of a quarter for a final possession when you can't do that past the 30-second mark uh, in, in a collegiate game. Uh, it's not like you've got teams these days that are running mandatory four passes, Norman Dale style, we're going to hold the ball for a minute of possession or hold the ball like at the start of the second quarter. That maybe happens once a year. It just, it just doesn't happen. So, yes, you're now asking high schools across the state, hey, you have to install shot clocks in your building, and hey, you have to have somebody that can run the shot clock and add, add somebody to the scores table, and you're paying somebody more to do that. And so, again, I just don't think it's that necessary but the biggest reason is financially. A lot of the bigger schools already have those those shot clocks and have systems that have it installed. A lot of the smaller schools do not. And now everybody's you know trying to find finances these days, and you're asking schools to spend more money. To me, that's the biggest reason why it's not going to happen. Greg, do you remember from what school Norman Dale arrived at Hickory? Ithaca, Ithaca College. <laughs> That wow, is correct. Good work, right? Bit of, bit of, he ran into a bit of a disciplinary issue, right? Right. Yeah, he had some off the floor stuff. If I remember correctly. <laughs> I don't know why we're asking anybody to come to coach our team. It's been in the water for the last ten years. <laughs> I just know. Well, I, I can't remember. He, he, they, I came across Ithaca on a map the other day. I was looking at Oak Hill where the PJ Championship was. I'm like, oh, there's Ithaca. And they refused to go zone or man to man. Which one was it? I can't remember. No, they're going to play a little bit of zone defense. They don't want to play man to man, and usually they would practice, you know, twenty on, ten off, you know, twenty on, ten off, twenty on, something like that. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, right. Love I, it. I know. To, to, to paraphrase Shooter Flash, I know everything about the greatest basketball movie that's ever been made. But I mean, as as the voice of the Hoosier Jim Classic, I kind of have to have these 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 facts off the top of my head. Believe me. Ten hours of coverage from Greg Rakestraw and Company, Mike Thompson, John Herrick as well. Obviously, you'll hear Jake and his comrades with IndyCar Radio Network. Awesome weekend over the track for Qualls and then setting the first four and bumping one car on Sunday. Rake quarterback at well the next few days. I hope I can avoid that frog in my throat that apparently crept in about 10 minutes ago. Sorry about that, fellas. Hey, I, oh, that, happened, that happened to me last week during the middle of the, the Grand Prix, like some sort of allergy in my throat, and I'm like, whoa. It just shows and that you're... And that's the funny thing is, is that much like you, I am I, I am the like the least allergic person to like anything ever. Uh, but even I've like been fighting like a head cold the last yeah, couple of weeks. I mean, so it's, it's, it's going around. You know, showed that Rake was human for a second. I, I was like, these indestructible. Not in fact, Max Hedrum. <laughs> I, I, you want to know an unpopular Indiana opinion, Kevin? Sure. Are we done with Rake? Yes. Rake, have a great weekend. See you guys. <laughs> I. Uh, this is an unpopular opinion. No boy, you hate Hoosiers. No, I like Hoosiers. You hate Rudy. I saw Hoosiers in the theater. We were 
my dad and I were on spring break. I saw it in, I believe, Charleston, South Carolina. I went to see Hoosiers. Loved that. I was so proud of it. I, I was so proud. I, I've always been so proud to be from Indiana. I think it's a great movie. I love the the Milan Miracle. I love that I've gotten to know Bobby Plump. You know, all of it, right? Ray Kraft. Uh, if I was not from Indiana, I would be totally sick of hearing about Hoosiers, and I would think that this state's obsession with a movie that is now older than the story that it was telling when it came out is weird. I would just be like, guys, it's time to move on. The the movies, it's a good movie. It's it's cool. It's okay if you like once a year want to like talk about it like we do the Wizard of Oz at the holidays or whatever. But like, let, let, let's let it go. That's all. End of rant. And I'm like, I, trust me, you 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 cut me and I bleed the torch. But I, you know, I mean, do we really you cut, like you cut yourself? You have to run out of here. Well, you're on blood thinners. <laughs> that's true. I I bleed. I bleed the torch enough to start the Chicago fire. That's I, correct. I guess are we really like talking about Hoosiers 24-7, 365 in this uh, state? I mean, I, I don't feel if like you we are. Kevin, I think if you weren't from here, you would feel that way. I, I agree with you, but I mean, dude, the the whole like the Pacers were wearing the Hickory jerseys for like 17 straight years and uh, you know, I mean, it still is. I mean, like two years ago, they had somebody in the 500 Festival Parade that was like the coach from Terhune. Yeah, like, I, uh, okay. I, I don't see it very often, and maybe I'm not looking in the right places. And this probably sums up maybe. And this is, you know, I don't take this as a shot at Maddie Bowen, who I do, do think at times can have some underrated sports knowledge. We got a flat tire on our way back from Cincinnati a few weeks ago, a mile south of an exit with two cities on it. One was Milan, the other Sunman? was yes. Thank you. Um, Maddie gets on the phone and goes, "Yeah, we're we're just south of Milan." Yeah, boy. So clearly, she's age 33. She's not hearing a whole lot about Hoosiers. You know what I've always found interesting about Milan, Indiana? Isn't Milan a little Disney, or is that Mulan? That's Mulan, okay. the talking do you dragon. Know what, do you know what county Milan's in? Oh, no, I don't. I've always found this interesting. The biggest believe-it-or-not story in Indiana history, and Milan's in Ripley County. Look at that. That show still on? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's been replaced by wax museums somewhere. <laughs> Should we, uh, Mark? I know has been hanging on here. Mark, do you believe, believe believe easy for me to say in Three Little Kings? Yeah, let's talk about that Three Little Kings a little bit, just for a second. It's uh, just Little Kings. It's not Three Little Kings. <laughs> know, this is not. We're, we're not. We're not talking about pigs yeah, and blowing stuff down. It's just Little something. Kings. Yeah. Well, you're right. It is Little Kings, but I do like. Uh, thinking about you guys as the three little kings. Uh, you guys bring in, you guys bring enjoyment to me every day, and I'm an everyday listener. I can't wait. Thank wait you, Mark. To bed so I can get up at 7 a.m. and listen to you for your uh, show. Hey, the thing about little kings, you used to drink them, you used to get them, and you drink them so quick because they were in such a little bottle and they'd go down so smooth. But, man, when those things came back up, it was like the mayonnaise. <laughs> it was like the mayonnaise. Play the plop, Mark. Play the plop. Unbelievable. It was the plop of the mayonnaise. Your nose was going to be burning. And then, <laughs> then it's malt liquor, guys. There's a reason. What an endorsement right there for Little Kings. Mark, when's the last time you have had a Little King? Oh, man, it's been forever. How old a fella are you, Mark? I'm sorry? How old a fella are you? I'm uh, 58. Yeah, so like kind of same age range. I mean, it was. Yeah, I, went, I grew up in Nora, went to North Central, 
Ran around uh, the North Plaza, went to the Bagel Fair, ran from the police. Hell yeah. So <laughs> wait, you graduated in what, 83 from North Central? 83. Glory years, man. Gary Thurman. Yep. Gary Thurman, Lars Tate, Ray Wallace. I used to hang out with Lars Tate. Uh, knew where he lived, knew, knew his mother well. Uh, his mother uh, was very good friends with my mom because she was always going to the Kroger. Late, great uh, Lars Tate, man. He was he yep. was an absolute legend of the area, no question Mark, about it. thank you, my man. Have a great weekend. When they came back up, like it was mayonnaise. like mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Little Kings reps will be asking Mark to be an endorser. Well, apparently they're not worried about it because they're, they're – Suppose I, I don't believe. Supposedly, this. oh, are you finally coming around? No, to, I don't believe it. These I don't are believe very it. prominent Do liquor people it. in the city. Don't believe it. I, I, I'm communicating with owners of liquor stores. Yeah, and the Three Kings website says within a hundred miles, that's the nearest you can get Three Thank Kings you, beer in, in the uh, with the Avon zip. You know, code. if you believe in these conspiracy theories, Jake, the, the there are some stations you know you can take your views to. I don't believe it. People are reaching out that they're going to Cincinnati or Ohio this weekend. Do you want us to bring some? Like, sure, bring some. I will. If so, I'll Venmo you. I will happily drink one, if not more, at Carb Day coming up on Friday. All right, we've got a morning checkdown time here on Kevin and Corey. The morning checkdown. Omaha, 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 Omaha. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Last night in the NBA, it was the Los Angeles Lakers looking like perhaps they were going to square things up one game apiece, but Jamal Murray had other ideas. 37 for Murray. Jokic did Jokic things, and Denver takes a 2-0 lead. Did LeBron play like a little king? (laughs) LeBron is starting to show a little bit of age for sure, but 22-10, and still not bad. Yeah, just from distance, those are the issues right now for the Lakers. Not named Austin Reeves. Nobody can throw it in the ocean. Yeah, Murray outstanding in the fourth quarter. Jokic, another triple-double. He ties Wilt for the most triple-doubles ever in a postseason. That is seven of them. And the Nuggets, eight straight home here in the postseason. They go up 2-0. Tonight, the Eastern Conference Series, Game 2. The Celtics, once again, favored by 8.5 in that one. Obviously, playing with a little bit of house money, Jimmy Butler in the Heat after they won Game 1. Uh, so we'll see if Boston can even things up after Miami took a game. I, I don't have I, – I couldn't print out the notes here, so I don't know. I know yesterday the Cardinals doubled up somebody. Uh, Major League eight, right? Baseball was very quiet yesterday. Yeah, Cardinals beat the Dodgers. Indianapolis Indians won Baseball and Education Day over there, 11.05 first pitch. Oh, the kids so. got to see a win and learn, they right? They did. That's um, cool. So, yeah, quiet day on the diamond. Point spread for uh, Heat Celtics now up to nine, by the way. Somebody out? Big in my I don't know. I'm jumping on it, though. Uh, All right. Over at IMS today, Jake, so far, Chip Ganassi Racing has been pretty special. Uh, They had four in the top seven on Wednesday, four in the top nine yesterday. The defending champ, Marcus Erickson, just ahead of his teammate, Scott Dixon. Um, What do you look for today? Obviously, the boost. Uh, extra boost, and so that means in particular in the second half of the day. I think originally there was thought that they would really get out and get after it early because of the weather conditions, but I think it is going to stay dry today. So um, somebody had asked earlier, you know, does the weather play a factor in terms of the draw for tomorrow? Not as much because you can make, you know, you can. It did last get year, though. Multiple chances to go out. Um, but. Yeah, the heat, you know, you don't, when you go out for a qualifying run, you want it to be cloudy, bottom line. So that will become a factor. But today, in particular, if they feel like the sun 
and the warmth from today is going to be replicated at different periods tomorrow. They're going to find it important to go out there and get it done. And again, it does look like a little bit more of kind of a smoother temperature day tomorrow based off you know starting calls at 11 all the way up until 5, which is not the case last year. Yesterday, the top 10 on the speed charts, Kumasato, or excuse me, uh, Marcus Erickson, Scott Dixon, Simon Pagino, Will Power, Colton Herta, and then 6 through 10, Connor Daly, Takuma Sato, Pato Award, Alex Pillow, and our guest coming up at 845, Alexander Rossi. Uh, are they still playing that NHL game in Carolina? They did finish last night after what, 11 and a half hours, right? <laughs> don't know if it was that long, but uh, yeah, 100, it was 137 minutes of hockey, 79 minutes of overtime. Uh, sixth longest game in playoff history with 13 seconds to go in the fourth OT. The Florida Panthers uh, score and beat the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, do you think even the losing team at that point is like, okay, I, I, we'll take it. Yeah. Just get out of here, right? Matthew Kachuk. Am I saying that name right? Kachuk, yeah. Silent T there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you Kachuk a little Kings, mayonnaise is what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. Just so you know. Uh, yeah. In my opinion, that sucks. Great no, vivid no, imagery by Mark providing that. <laughs> uh, Alexander Rossi joins us here in 15. <laughs> you are listening. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And to Kevin and Quarry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. <laughs> this is the song I've been thinking of. Thank you, Mark. What, what, what are we doing here? What, what, what are, we got to be the first station in town to be playing Christmas music. Well, yeah, well, it, I mean, instead of the chimes in the background, Mark, I'm picturing them just clinging their Little King's mm-hmm. bottles together. Yeah. While throwing up mayo-like substances, I guess. Matt says, I remember growing up, my mom would split a Little King's with my dad at dinner. <laughs> well, was that four like, ounces? What was, was that a shot of beer for each of them? Kings. God. Hey, wow. That size sample at Sun King the other day. <laughs> I can't believe you guys have never heard of Little King's. You forget the 20-year age gap, my friend. But I'm telling you, like, well, like somebody just said, they were around till COVID. That was two years ago. Well, I've never the gone mediocre to the- beer that I drank in college was Keystone Light, Natty. Yes, Natty Light. Keystone Light was the one. This, the marketing of Keystone Light when I was in college was that it was lined like a bottle. Then I think it became the no bitter face was the the marketing campaign of Keystone Light. And then there was Milwaukee's Best, which the urban legend back then was. That Milwaukee's best was the spillover beer from all of the other beers that Miller Light made, Miller Coors made. Well, then it was just Miller, and that like you know the the runoff of High Life, Miller Light, whatever else, all went into one batch, and then that like at some brewer festival, it was named as the best beer in the world. People are like, dude, this is the best beer in the world. It's only you know such such case, and then. People, oh, st- the first beers, the first import. Okay, what's the first like imports that you remember being cool? I mean, the first ones I probably tried were like Heineken yeah. and all that stuff. Okay, definitely Heineken. I Rolling Rock was considered like an elite beer when I was in college. Oh yeah, yeah, bottle over can. Mm-hmm. And then Labatt's and Moosehead. People loved like if you had Moosehead or Labatt's. I mean, it was oh yes, Moosehead. Isn't that gel in your hair? Okay. 
Uh, we're going to be local, by the way, 10 to noon each of the next two Fridays. Brendan King uh, has got a special show today coming up from the Brownsburg Jiffy Lube. I believe Scott McLaughlin going to join him, and then it'll be Brendan and Scott Agnes right after us for Carb Day. Now, shouldn't a show from Jiffy Lube be 30 minutes or less? Coming up on, on Friday. By the way, pop quiz today. In my opinion, that sucked. Speaking of Freebie Friday, that will be bumped to the final segment. We'll also give away a pair of tickets to the 500. Speaking of tickets, you can head to WIBC.com. Tales from the Track coming up Monday right here in our lobby downtown on the Circle. Uh, That is Ed Carpenter with Hammer and Nigel. Uh, Tickets include dinner, uh, drink ticket, a chance to uh, take a photo with Ed as well, and obviously a and a from the only driver owner in the field. Bex was another import beer, one of the first I've, ones. You know, I've never that's one I've never had. Bex is great. Bex is really? Dark. I love Bex Dark. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Now Heineken, uh the Heineken light in particular, if you crack open a, a bottle of that like in a bar, literally everyone instantly is gonna go, Who's smoking weed? Have you noticed that's it has the, the yeah. skunk smell? Kind of. Yeah. So Pat goes this and you know this Mark is now seemed overly familiar with that. Oh no, not true. <laughs> not true. <laughs> Feed into Jake's narrative here, but you know what? I'm going to be a team player. Pat, he goes, uh, I'm 31 and have heard of and still drink Little Kings. Mm-hmm. He says they are available in Indy. I- I'm telling you. I just bought some Tuesday. Do you think he bought them underground? <laughs> he goes, would love to bring them I for them along with some DVDs. Day, but they're glass bottles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My early years of entering the track, one time we did bring glass bottles in. We got turned away at one entrance, but you know, Jake, smart minds, you just go to another entrance <laughs> and you put the cans on top of them and we got in. But it sounds like now uh, security's ramped up a bit. So wait a minute, did he say where he bought them? No, he did not, which is well, a little, that's a details, little mysterious. Man. What, what, what good Pat, does that that's do That's a us? little shady. That's a little shady, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. That does us absolutely no good. Should we break for Rossi? We could. Yeah, we need to get okay, the bottom let, of this three kings. Let's thing. ask this right now, though. Okay, there are three of us here. We're going to vote. Odds that Alexander Rossi has A, heard of, and B, drank Little Kings. 12% chance he's heard of it. 4% chance he's drank it. Mark? 10% chance he's heard of it. 0% chance he's had it. Okay. Isn't he around? Is He's a little younger than... 70% is he? Is he chance 30? he's heard of it. 0% chance he's had it because he... he like as soon as he was 18 he moved to europe he was living over there so i I can't imagine at that point the winner of the hundredth gonna love this interview 31 year old (laughs) alexander rossi on the other side see this is what i'm talking about somebody just sent me a picture of a little king's sitting on their table he said he got it from ohio though no yes that's the guy i just talked to pat did clear clarify he purchased at dinner bell he says he goes bit of a sketchy establishment <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute is that the name of the establishment or a liquor store uh well i guess both um near garfield park uh lance joins us on the program before alexander rossi is set to join us hi lance good morning Jake, it's Lance from land sharks back in the day man lance what is <laughs> lance. going on man <laughs> Hey, I pulled it up. It says they uh, got the little little King Scream Ale down at uh, Total Beer and Wine and Spirits. I, I'm Greenwood. telling you, man. Now, Lance, you've had. I mean, Lance, you're like a. You're one of these guys. Here you are. You were bouncing and brought up. You're this big, like burly looking dude. That's Whew. actually the nicest guy on the planet. That was up for always having fun. I'm guessing you have had a little Kings before, right? 
Oh, I've had more than a few. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. So, total wine, Lance. Hey, uh, hey, man, do you remember the Genesee beer wagon car back in the day? Yes. Um, they yeah. ran in, it, it ran in like 82, 83. I got to look up to see who was running it. I'm going to look up the 83 500. I'm sure it was there. Um, yeah, right here. Steve Chassis drove it in 83. Finished. That's what uh, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Genesee Beer Wagon. Hell yeah. 80, they ran a couple of years, but in 83, certainly Steve Chassis drove So, Lance, sure. you got Little Kings in your fridge right now? No, man. <laughs> man I, I've had them for a while, but yeah, Little cre- little Kings Cream Ale. Back in the day. <laughs> so, is it like a Sun King Cream Ale? Like, would you compare it to that? No, I, I mean, would because not. Mark earlier said it tasted uh, no, like no, mayo. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> Lance is very emphatic that no, it has nothing to do. Lance, good talking to you, man. Always a pleasure. All right, boss. All right, have a good one. That's my I man, Lance. To, I used to have some nights at Land Sharks. Land Sharks still open? Yeah. Rock Lobster, Land Sharks, the whole deal, right? Unbelievable. Uh, joining us now on the Payload Sugars Hotline, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so this morning, a guy that yesterday gets the Workhorse Award. I think nobody turned in more laps yesterday than Alexander Rossi with his new team with Aero McLaren. And uh, let's get to the the brass tacks first for the 2016 Indianapolis 500 winner. Uh, Alexander Rossi, you have or have not in your life either heard of and or tried a Little King's beer? Yeah, no. Yes, see? On both accounts, you have not heard of and have not consumed? Co- correct. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. It sounds like a band. I, <laughs> I thought it sounded like a Christmas song, Alexander, so you and I are in the same boat. Well, okay. thanks for joining us, Alexander. We wish you the best of luck in this year's race. Yeah, no, see you, man. No problem. <laughs> hey, um, let's begin with this. I... It's, it's interesting, and I thought it was yesterday I was watching you, and you know every time I'm looking down, you were out on track. You turned a ton of laps. And I kind of thought about, and I'd mentioned earlier, you know, Dario Franchitti was always kind of the workhorse guy for Andretti that would try multiple setups. For you personally, when you're turning that number, that high a number of laps, do we read into that at all, or is that just looking over absolutely everything, or were you chasing something a little bit? Um, I, I think the opposite of, of both. I think we were just happy um, and just wanted to go out and pound laps. Like we didn't have to go back to the garage to really make any big adjustments. Um, you know, there's, there's evaluations of these new aero components that IndyCar has brought um, to try and help make the show better come, come race day. Um, but there's a lot of analysis to still be done on that. So like, and they're pretty decent uh, changes. So all four cars were kind of in a slightly different configuration um, from an aero standpoint, which we will then spend the next kind of three days understanding um, so that when we come back for Monday, we're all on what we believe is, is the optimum package for obviously, you know, ultimate straight line performance, but also still being able to, to run next to the cars. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, the balance was good. The balance has been good all week. So we really haven't had to, to do much tuning to it. Alexander, I want to stick with yesterday here for just a second. I'm sitting there watching you and all of a sudden all the Ganassi cars go out and then you go out with them. And then for several laps, you're like running with them, you know, in traffic, passing, et cetera, et cetera. And I, you know, as a very novice fan, I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Like, is that something planned? You're not a teammate of theirs, but clearly you're in interacting with them out on the track. Could you kind of give us a little peek behind the curtain and how that went about and what you were trying to accomplish there? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the days of like secret team group runs that you know Andretti used to change the time every day have kind of gone out the window, um, and everyone kind of wants to run with everyone. So we were, um, you know, our pit boxes are directly behind them. Um, none of my teammates at the time were ready to do a group run. We saw that Ganassi was. Um, you know, they're obviously at the moment um, for the past couple of years they've been the benchmark. Uh, so it was good for us to, to A, just, you know, we would have taken really any cars to run with, but, you know, if you can go with the defending race winners and such and see, you know, where you're better or weaker, um, you're going to take that opportunity. Aaron McLaren's got, obviously, and Alexander Rossi's our guest on the Palo Sigurds Hotline. Uh, Alex, you've got Felix Rosenquist, Tony Kanaan, Pata Award, so you've got, you know, multiple cars within the team. For qualifying itself... At any point, do you guys individually say, okay, this is how I want my car set up and this is what feels good for me? My driving style is, let's say, different than Felix's or Tony's or, you know, or Pato's or whatever it may be. How individualized is it specifically to your car? Or do you, in fact, as a team in qualifying, try like four different setups to see exactly what works in the condition of the day and then bring it all back in together collectively if that makes sense what i'm asking yeah no it's a fair question i think today you're going to see a little bit of that but ultimately so qualifying is all about you know obviously it's a four lap average um and you want to try and and be well you have to be flat for the four laps but you want to be just barely flat like by the end of the run if it's if the four laps are easy, then you carry too much downforce and you probably gave up some some performance. If you have to start lifting on lap four, then for obvious reasons you're slow. Um, so, but what that means is, as as you take downforce off, right, and you go quicker, the weak area of the car gets worse. So, for example, if you've got a a front end that has understeer or or doesn't want to turn or isn't very sharp, and a driver struggles with that, the more downforce that you take off to try and, you know, keep up with what you need to do to, you know, contend for pull, the worse and worse that understeer is going to get. So, everyone is going to, you know, you you start the day today with everyone's going to be happy. You turn the boost up, you run a decent chunk of downforce, and it's easy. And then you take your first trim step. And that's when deviations start to happen um, across cars because certain guys are more sensitive to the balance changes that come with trimming. And then you'll get to a point where some guys get stuck. Like they can only trim to level X or sorry, level B. And then your teammate who's happier with the balance can trim to level F. Right. So it's, it's really not only are you taking downforce off to try and go faster, but you have to keep adjusting the car because as you're taking away that grip, you know, it's, it's getting harder and harder to, to just be happy with the car. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, has it been an adjustment? It does make sense. Um, and you're with a new team this year. And, and certainly, you know, I've seen on social media and other such things, not to say this wasn't the case with the guys that you had at Andretti, but you seem to really be relaxed you guys all all of you Pato award felix rosenquist you know Kanan working with you guys this month but it just seems to be a group that that is gelling and you have fun and maybe now that's translating onto the track but in terms of andretti where you had success you won the indy 500 as a rookie was it just time for a change 
Was it the opportunity at, Mc, at, at Arrow McLaren? What led to the change for Alexander Rossi? Uh, all of the above. You know, I think that there was, um, you know, a lot of a lot of great things that that we accomplished um, at Andretti. I have lifelong friends there. I still am, am very close with some of my mechanics, my old engineer there. The Andretti family is is very close to me from Michael to Marco to Marissa. Um, everyone there, you know, we, it, it all ended on good terms. Um, but the, and the reason for that, I think is because, you know, the last three years didn't meet anyone's expectations. You know, when we, when we did the, the renewal, uh, in the middle of 2019 for three years, you know, we were coming off the back of, of two championship years. You know, we were in the fight for the championship until the last race. Um, 2020 came, obviously the whole world got thrown for a loop. And I think Andretti was a little bit, uh, caught out with the addition of the arrow screen for a period of time. And then in 2021, you know, we, we really were aggressive and tried to regain everything that we fell behind in 2020. And that led to a lot of mistakes, um, on my side, uh, on the team side. And it was just a, a terrible year actually. And then 22, you know, we kind of reverted back to, to having a, a semi-decent year. Um, but really, when, when the conversation came up with Michael um, and AutoNation and, and everyone to, to look at going forward, it, it, it was just like, yeah, that's a, that's a great opportunity, obviously. But for whatever reason, this isn't working. Um, and that was really the crux of the, of the decision. Um, you know, Errol McLaren... Um, you know, was going to add a third car. They had the availability. They were they were very interested in, in having me join the team. Um, so it all kind of just the, the stars aligned. And you know, when you look at the the trajectory that Arrow McLaren has been on for the past couple of years, you know, it's been it's been exponential. You know, every single year they're getting stronger and stronger, and the runway that they have ahead of them in terms of you know McLaren racing. Um, now having full involvement and control over the IndyCar team, what that means in terms of the, the resources that are available, the people, um, the, the kind of experience, the knowledge base, the, the diversity across all the different platforms of, of motorsports that we have access to. It means that there's so much performance that's still yet to come. Um, so all of that was very, very exciting. And, um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to, to have this opportunity. And I just uh, love being able to represent McLaren and, and Papaya. He's Alexander Rossi, um, obviously the winner of the 100th and five times been in the top seven. Certainly you've proven, uh, arguably I think more than anybody else in the field, your ability to slice and dice your way through the field is quite possible. Um, given that, though, as you look to quals this weekend, how far back is too far back, or do you even know that just yet? Uh, it's not. I mean, you'll you'll figure it out. It's it's a long race. I mean, you. It's not quite quite frankly. Um, you know, I started thirty second. I started twenty fifth. Both those days ended in top fives. Um, I guess I started, is there a comfort level like yeah. after the first four rows, something like that? No, I don't. I mean, it's cool. It's cool to be in the fast nine shootout or fast six now fast 12 i don't know it's cool to be in one of those shootouts um but ultimately you know this race is is so long there's so many variables there's 
there, it, it's the one race you go into, believe it or not, even though it's the biggest race in the world, it's the most important race for all teams and drivers. Like, there is no strategy. Like, it's impossible to, like, you go to the strategy meeting, you're like, well, this is how long we can go on fuel at, at full rich. This is how long we think we could stretch it if we leaned out the motor. And then it's like, we'll see what happens. So I, you, you, can, you can really win from anywhere. That's not a cliche. I, I truly believe that. Well, especially considering you, you won the race by going 105 laps on one fuel load, right? I mean, very impressive. I mean, you, you know, you're going 55 miles an hour and you win the race, right? A little well, example. Yeah, I mean, you could just get out and walk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you? Last question for me, Alex. Do you ever? Alexander Rossi's our guest. Uh, you know, one of the things that that from a broadcast standpoint, I will readily admit, it is not our job to have rooting interests. But you still get excited as a broadcaster when you see something that that makes your eyes pop. And there have been restarts from you that are Oof. scintillating. I, I mean, you go on the outside and you pass eight or nine cars and you think like, holy cow, you can't put a, a credit card between your right side rubber and the wall itself. Do you ever look at replays of those and actually think to yourself, I don't even necessarily recall doing that, but that's unbelievable? Or do you go, yeah, okay, I did that. That's cool. Um, no, I, no, I, no. <laughs> I don't really watch races back. I probably should. Watching the, the new CW 100 Days to Indie show, I realized that Joseph Newgarden watches races back with a notepad and takes notes of what everyone's doing. So maybe that's where I've been going wrong. Um, but no, man, like, I, I just love driving race cars. I love the opportunity to, to race an Indy 500, you know, every single time that we take the green flag for that. Like, I just have uh, so much excitement and, and joy in taking part of it. And so when the opportunity presents itself, do a... Uh, try and, and get the best result possible, whether that's on a restart or um, through some sequence or whatever. Like, it's just, it's you're just having fun out there. Um, and that's, that's really all that it boils down to for me. The entertainment value is always through the roof when your eyes are on Alexander Rossi at the 500. That car certainly popping as well out there at practice yesterday. That is a great-looking car that you're in. Coming up here a week from Sunday. Good luck today, Fast Friday. Same thing for this weekend. And, of course, a week from Sunday, Alexander. Thank you for the time this morning. No worries. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Alexander Rossi right there on the Payless Slickers hotline has not heard of Kings. I, Three you know little what? Kings, little Kings, bet, tiny Kings. Mm-hmm. 31 years old, Alexander Rossi. Mm-hmm. That is so disappointing. Been all over the world, correct, Mark? Yep. <laughs> all over the world. Here, here I thought... Here, here I thought for sure, lock, stock, and barrel. That was the that was a slam dunk. That was the easiest bet. We're going to win all week. <laughs> uh, paint the the town red today. Why? It is the season opener tonight for the Indiana Fever. The one and only Lynn Dunn. You think Lynn Dunn's had a little king in her life? I'm going to probably say you know yes. What, let's, let's ask her. I'll bet she's heard of it. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. She joins us next. Are we taking bets on Lynn Dunn? No, I think it's a lock. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. Yes. 1,000%. Both of you say yes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. She might be having one right now. She's painting the town red. That's true. For the opener tonight. That's true. Connecticut in town, right? Uh, It's a season opener for the Indiana Fever. One of our favorites is about ready to join us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. She is Lynn Dunn. Jake, you want to see if she has had a little king? Okay. The topic of the day before we get to the Indiana Fever, Lynn Dunn, is this. In your time as an adult on earth, have you ever either heard of and or consumed a Little King's beer? Never. Have you heard of Little King's? Wow. Never. Wow. That's an upset. That's a Fairleigh Dickinson over Purdue. Well, but now let's remember, I don't drink beer. Okay. Well, if I knew that, then I would have certainly changed my mind on that. (laughs) Yeah, if you'd gone down the bourbon path, I might have been able to help you. <laughs> Do they make well, a bourbon? Some would say they're out. struggling so much in the, beer, in the beer department, they probably shouldn't dabble in the bourbon department. Jefferson's Reserve, you have or have not heard of that bourbon? Yes, I'm with all. You named it, I've heard of the bourbon. Yes. <laughs> hey, um, let's that. begin with this. Done that. Yes. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Um, perhaps you can enjoy a bourbon tonight after a win if the Fever were to get off to a 1-0 start against Connecticut. Game 7 o'clock tonight to start off the season. And we've asked you this before, but let's revisit this, and that is the thing that most intrigues you about this roster or that you are most excited about with this team would be what? The youth, uh, the talented youth, you know, we're a young team. There's no getting around it. We're, we're, we're a baby team. We may have to change their diapers at halftime. I mean, they're young. <laughs> they're energetic. They're full of energy. And then we've got a young staff. You know, we've got a, a first-ever head head coach. So a lot of youth out there, but there's a lot of growth that can happen, in you know, in 20 minutes. So I'm excited about a young, exciting growing team one of our favorites lynn dunn she's with us here on the payless slickers hotline lynn when you look at you know what transpired over the past few weeks like you guys cut what seemed like some notable players um you know i I, again i I look at this and i'm like wow you you took that girl in the second round and you guys cut her already is that a sign of you know you have a lot of young talent like how did you view the the roster cut dilemma that your staff faced over the last couple weeks well, we're in a building, rebuilding, reloading mode, so we have a lot of extra da- draft picks. We've made some trades. We've picked up some draft picks. So somebody I'm cutting may have been the third or fourth person I picked because we were we picked first, seventh, 13th, 17th, 25th. So we had a lot of picks, and we knew it was going to be really, really hard for somebody to make the team. So as you're rebuilding, as you're growing, um, that tends to happen. Is it a challenge, Lynn? Lynn Dunn is our guest, the general manager of the Indiana Fever. And, of course, your career is so expansive from a coaching standpoint. When you move into a front office position, I've always been curious of this. Is it is it a challenge to build a roster when you're not actually coaching said roster because you have a design in your mind of exactly how you would coach it, but then you have to remind yourself that different people have different styles and players would have different ways in which they respond. Has it been an adjustment for you? 
it definitely has. And I think it was important when I hired our new coach that she and I were on the same page. We had the same vision of the identity that we wanted for this team. We were going to play up tempo. We were going to play fast. We were going to defend. We were going to be high energy. We were going to be all in to team basketball. And so I think in a lot of ways, our visions had to match as I put the players in the pieces that fit. Bourbon aficionado Lynn Dunn with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Aaliyah Boston, when we had you on the night of, or I guess the day of the WNBA draft, you know, you already talked a whole lot about Aaliyah and, and potentially taking her number one overall. Now that she's been in your building, you've seen her operate. Uh, what are your first impressions of her? Even better than I expected. Uh, not only a great player, great person. Tremendous poise for such a young person, but but the I think the experiences that she had under Dawn Staley at South Carolina, winning championships, uh, it's all it, she's the whole package. But I knew she was skilled, but I didn't know that she was as skilled with as much poise at this young time in her life. If you don't mind, I'll throw the same question to you with Grace Berger. I know someone that obviously you were really high on entering the draft. I love Grace Berger, and what I love about her is her versatility. And it's one of the reasons why some of the players we ended up cutting, uh, when you find a player like Grace that can play three positions, you know, the one, the two, and the three, and she's a big guard. And I think in this league with our limited roster spots, if you can only play one uh, one position, it really hurts you. And I think that's the strength of Grace, size and her versatility. You know, it's funny, Coach. You guys start out tonight with Connecticut, and then you go on the road. If I'm not mistaken, I think three in a row on the road. You're on the road for a week. I have always felt like, even though it is daunting in terms of the atmosphere in playing the games on the road, and in particular for a young team, that there can be a silver lining in a road trip early because you have no choice but to get to know your teammates. And for a young team, that can be pretty critical. Am I overthinking that? You need to be a general manager because Whoa. you're right on target there. <laughs> the The road trips are not as negative as people think. First of all, you're just with your group. You're just staying together. A lot of the family, friends, peers that hang around a home game are not with you. So in a lot of ways, a, a, a road game um, can be a plus. Now, with that, how far into a season with a young team, and as you'd said, I mean, you're talking the youngest of young, realistically speaking, you would like to really have in a perfect world a feel for who you are and what you have by what number game of the season? I would really like to know a lot about this team after the third game. Okay. We'll play at home. And then we'll play at New York on Sunday, and then we'll come home and have all week to prepare, and then we'll play at Atlanta. So after these first three games, I'd like to know a lot more about this team. Lynn, how would you classify expectations for this season? I think they're significantly higher than they were last year. You know, we're a year older. We're a year wiser. A couple of the draft picks that we had last year, Lexi Hull, Queen Egbo, uh, Nalissa Smith are a year older, a year wiser, a year better. And now we've added this group and we've added a new staff. So I think realistically we want to compete for maybe that last playoff spot. I I don't think that's over – 
overthinking this situation. We want to compete in every game, but we want to be in the hunt for that last playoff spot. Have you ever done that bourbon trail deal where like, you can go and tour the different distilleries? Because I think it'd be fascinating to learn the history of like the distilleries in Kentucky. Absolutely. I was I lived in Lexington, Kentucky for three years. I've been down that trail, you know, and, and a lot of people don't realize that, that not only can you have the bourbon tasting, but you the, they've made chocolate candy full of bourbon. And so oh, you can geez. get the chocolate and the bourbon. Hell it's yeah. amazing. And now, if I go on that tour, I need Lynn Dunn I on the tour. <laughs> now, so now here's what I know, and you tell me if I'm if I'm right here. Uh, I, I want to make sure I get this right. All bourbons are whiskeys, but not all whiskeys are bourbons, correct? I think that's correct. Yeah, okay. Okay. And, and again, tonight, a charred after, barrel, after a season opening W, it will be the chocolate bourbon or it will be a glass of bourbon? It'll be both. <laughs> Look at that. The more the merrier. Tonight, it's the Connecticut Sun. Some tickets still available. Fever.com. Lynn Dunn, you are one of a kind. Thank you as always. Hey, guys. Thank you. Have a great day. That Go is Fever. The- Go Fever. That is the great Lynn Dunn right there. We are painting the town red. Imagine doing the bourbon trail and you walk on said, I don't know if it's a bus or what, but then Lynn Dunn is sitting there front row. Oh, yeah. I mean, hell yeah. <laughs> With, With bourbon and chocolate. You know, we did yeah. one time, we did uh, one of the brew buses. Have you guys done that around town here? No. J- Jake yes. definitely hasn't. Uh, I've oh, done you the- have? <laughs> I thought you were anti-pedal no, no, no. bar and no, everything. That's different? That's different. Okay. The pedal bar and the scooters all going in the canal. The brew bus, and actually, you know what? I was just boarding a flight recently, and the guy behind me goes, hey, um, you actually took the last tenderloin at the Speedway a couple of years ago when I was trying to get one for my daughter. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. That's what a heartbreaker. I, I was right in front of him in line, apparently. And then he said, oh no, it was cool because you were on my brew bus and you were super cool. I said, okay, good. So we did a brew bus for a buddy's bachelor party, and he was one of our early friends to get married. So we're probably still in the little immature 23-ish year old stage. Uh, we had 19 of the 21 seats on the brew bus. The look on the couple's face yeah. when we walked in on the brew bus. That would not be good, right? Yeah. We probably should have paid for their Probably tickets. good friends with them by the end, though, right? We were. Yeah. Uh, Joe and what was his wife's name? They're from San Diego. They were in town. They were the Dave Matthews people. You know, the people that go see Dave in every city. Oh, yeah. Dave was that night, so they were... Hockey Joe's what we called him. He's a big hockey fan. What if he stayed up for the four-overtimer? <laughs> Only if he had some Little Kings. This from David. Hey, I caught the Little Kings conversation. I'm 42. Not only have I heard of it, but I've also had it. And I believe the bottles are so somewhat unbreakable. Although not as good as an old-fashioned Honey Brown. I forgot about Honey Brown. Do you guys remember that beer? What? Honey Brown, nothing. There's, I don't think they make Honey Brown anymore, right? It was like the first of... It was kind of like supposedly a craft beer. So I'm no, still. I've seen that before. I might have had. Yeah, yeah. I might have. Dabbled. I'm still rattled by the couple that split the <laughs> little king each night at dinner. You know. They, All right, here's your tablespoon <laughs> of a little king to us, honey. <laughs> they each got two ounces. Don't indulge too much. <laughs> On well, that end. They wanted to make sure that they weren't getting the mayo of the, the after experience, Oh, right? sure, exactly. <laughs> uh, I know we mentioned it earlier, but again, we are local all day long here from a show standpoint. Brendan King is going to have you from 10 to noon. I believe Scott McLaughlin is going to join him, Mark James, Kristen Airy. Uh Brendan's over at the Jiffy Lube in Brownsburg, so with Fast Friday here... You're going to have some local action uh, coming up. Yes, indeed. Uh, Today and then also Carb Day. Brendan King and Scott Agnes will follow us out at Carb Day coming up.
in a bit. Jake, anything in particular you're watching for out there at the track? Obviously, I would assume a lot of qualifying type runs. Um, I'd, I'd like to see a little more speed out of Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. I know Graham Ray Hall ended up with a good lap late, but I'd like to see those guys cons- and Gal Catherine Leg run consistently into the top fifteen. Notably, um, thought it was interesting that Rossi really liked the balance of his car yesterday, and they felt good, and that's why he turned so many laps. If that's truthful, that's probably not good news for the rest because those Arrow Mc- Arrow McLaren. I mean, there's going to be a lot of talk about Chip Ganassi, but keep an eye on those Arrow McLaren cars because between Award Canon. Rosenquist and Rossi, uh, that is a really stout group. Rossi might not be the best person to ask the question to that I did, but whatever. I guess I asked him it because his history is he's a guy that can kind of slice and dice his way through the field. Undoubtedly. Jake, do you believe him? Do all drivers have the same thinking that he does and I'll start wherever and figure it out? Uh, every, everybody. Um, there's got to be some level of, I want to be in the first four. I want to be in the first five. Like, Two things I've learned about race car drivers, Kevin. Every single one of them, if there's a chance of rain on a road course, says, oh, I, I prefer to run in the rain. I love it. Okay. And they all say, like, no, the, the, the traffic you know, doesn't bother me. I think you'd rather start up front. I, I think there's actually an advantage. I think you'd rather start in row 11 than row 8. Like I've asked to Davy, I've talked to Davy Hamilton about it, and he's like, "Look, at the start of the race, there's so much dirty air, there's so much attrition, there's just so avoid much avoid disaster early. Yeah, just fall back and then just let it come to you. I think being right in the thick of it would be like, oh my gosh, like it just it would be. Cr- I don't know how you go into turn one clean. I, I just don't. I, it's why the first lap is so amazing to me, unbelievable, and just restarts in general. Um, I know you mentioned this for those that were listening to lead off the show, but if you don't mind, Jake, just a reminder of tomorrow, we're going to set it 13 to 30. Everybody will get one attempt, and then some strategy comes into play after that? Correct. So you have the chance. If you want to late, you can pull your time. So like if you're 15th and you think that you've got a car that can run for a chance at the pole on Sunday, you can pull your time out and get back into line. Try to get in the top 12. Correct. But by doing that, your your time comes off the board. So, I mean, if you put it in the wall or something like that, you don't have a backup time to fall back on. You're, you're then out of the race and you're scrambling to get back in, essentially. I'm sweating just thinking about um, that. But yeah, the, the on Sunday, they will re-qualify the top 12 cars and your time goes out the window. So you are simply one of the 12 that runs for the pole. That becomes then the starting order of the race. And then 13 through 30 would be locked 31, 32, and 33, and 34 go back out to race for the last row. Four for three there. Correct. Correct. R.C. Enerson is the other one that you want to watch today to see what kind of times he's getting because he was running right there with everybody. And then late yesterday when people kind of started to, as we call it, trim out, remove some downforce to get a little more speed. Um, his team was a little behind the eight ball at that point and and looks like they're a little off the pace to try to get that last spot. But a lot can happen. So that'll be something to watch today as well. Again, Ganassi fast again for the second straight day. They went 1-2. This time it was Marcus Erickson 1, Scott Dixon 2. It was Takuma Sato on Wednesday. Better day for Aaron McLaren. You know, Pato Ward, we had him on on Thursday. He wasn't too worried about it. Yesterday, they were much better. All four cars in the top half. So... Uh, Ganassi, though, has been the class of it here through the first couple of days. A reminder, we're going to give away a pair of 500 tickets with the uh, Jiffy Lube oil change freebie Friday coming up. But that's going to be pushed to our final segment. We're going to have Caleb Keller 
on. You heard him the Friday before the Derby. He's going to join us here in a few to talk the Preakness coming up. Uh, That is tomorrow night, so a little bit of wagering action on that end. Uh, Let's lead off the morning checkdown with what happened last night in the Western Conference. The morning checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. So, we now know that Denver leads two games to none because Jamal Murray last night went nuts. 37 total in the game. Took over in the fourth as the Lakers were hanging around looking like they were going to even the Western Conference Finals at one game apiece. But Denver gets the win. They now go up. Two games to love. The series now heads west to Los Angeles. But it does seem to me, you may disagree, Kevin, but I feel like Denver last night kind of emphatically started to, to move towards advancing. Yeah, I thought, you know, I think when you have these road opportunities in the playoffs, particularly this deep in the playoffs, you probably get one, maybe two chances to steal one, especially when you look at what Denver's done at home here in the postseason. Perfect. Eight for eight now. And the Lakers had that. I mean, they had a lead at halftime. They had a lead going into the fourth. Um, and then all of a sudden, like you said, Jamal Murray... Uh, flips the switch. 23 points for him in the fourth quarter. You know, it says something about Denver when Jokic has a triple-double, and yet the story of the game is Jamal Murray and what he did in the fourth quarter. The Lakers continue to struggle from behind the arc. Guys not named Austin Reeves. 3 of 21 from out there. So Denver is up 2-0, and you pretty emphatic in Boston going to even it up tonight? Um. I think yes, Boston evens it up. I, I still. Vegas what did I say? Thinks that. I said Miami would win Game One and Boston wins in six. I'll stick by it. Absolutely stick. By it. Mark, you said that's up to nine. That's that up to nine. Spread? Last I checked, that was about an hour ago. Man, I do think maybe something we can get into a little bit more next week. And, and I might be overthinking this, but the more Miami does this, the more Jimmy Butler does this. I'd like to think that that would fuel a Benedict Matherin. You think about the comparisons people have made of like, okay, could he Boy, turn into you that? Imagine? <laughs> you know, just watching him, I think personality-wise, you could see some similarities there. I know it's probably a little bit, you know, of a stretch, but certainly something that I have thought about. Uh, quiet day on Still the Diamond. Still at nine, by the way. Still at nine. Celtics favored by mm-hmm. nine. A quiet day on the Diamond yesterday in Major League Baseball. The Indianapolis Indians did get a win over the Iowa Cubs. Mark, are you going to play some audio there about the uh, Iowa no. Cubs losing? No. It's all right. The Cubs have been losing lately. It's not uh, been good. Cardinals over the Dodgers yesterday. Guardians over the White Sox again. Pretty quiet day on the diamond. Uh, qualifying format. Let me give this one more time. Essentially, they come back on Sunday, right? The top 12 qualifiers from Saturday get to, to go from 1130 to 1230. Then from 1230 to 130 on Sunday, the four that will be running for the final row get to go out and qualify at 2 o'clock, those that are in the top 12 qualify again with the fast six, the six fastest, then running for the poll between 515 and 545. So tomorrow we will know who the top 12 are and then those that are at the back, if that makes sense. Easiest way to say it. We are into round two of the PGA Championship. Your leader after round one was Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, for those like, wow, I forgot Bryson DeChambeau was even around. Um, he went to live golf. He gained a bunch of weight, tried to become a long drive champion. His body fell apart. His game fell apart. He lost that weight. And, you know, if people recall, Bryson DeChambeau was an extremely accomplished college golfer, uh, won the national title at SMU, won the U.S. Amateur as a, smaller isn't the right term, but as a non, you know, power lifter. 
Uh, so he's got game, even without all that weight gain, and he showed it yesterday. Still pounding the ball. So the weight, par, the weight game, you mean he's like a fat guy now, or he's David Duvall? Uh, well, at times, David Duvall, you could probably label us, had a couple of little kings. Um, Bryson DeChambeau, I think, is like post-offensive lineman NFL career. Okay. Jeff Saturday. Okay. Joe Wrights. Joe Wrights, yep. Yeah, those terms. Fair. Uh, but again, still hits it plenty far enough. Yesterday was the highest opening round in a PJ Championship since 2008. John Rahm, the world number one player in the world, uh, six over par. Highest score ever for a number one ranked player in the opening round of the PGA. Not good for the Spaniard. Sevy Ballesteros, still doing okay? Sevilla underground, as we talked about still, yesterday. Still six under. Uh, I've got Scotty Scheffler. Sticking with Scotty Scheffler. You go in DJ. You get yep. Dustin Johnson hurt himself, and in his words, by lifting the big kid in his house. Well, good for him. <laughs> Mark feverishly. Woo! <laughs> I mean, anytime Pauline is brought up, you have to play it. She is uh, an attractive gal. Speaking of Paulina Gretzky, last night's in four overtimes, the Florida Panthers over the Carolina Hurricanes 3-2 with 13 seconds to go in overtime number four. The Panthers finally end it. Uh, we mentioned flipping a listener of ours who was at the game last night. Uh, messaged me at 1.50. He was exiting the arena. Crazy. He was in there at like 7.08. 1.50. Exiting the arena. Tonight, there'll be the Kraken and the Stars underway. It's a busy weekend, I think, for sporting events. We'll get the second leg of the Triple Crown. Mage is running, so we'll talk about the Derby winner, how big of a favorite, some other horses to keep an eye on with Caleb Keller next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We preview the Preakness. All right, Jake, coming up tomorrow night, it will be the second leg of the Triple Crown, and that is the Preakness. Pimlico, is that right? Am I saying that right? I think that's right. Uh, To get more on that, you heard him with us the Friday of the Derby. It is Caleb Keller, courtesy of um, FanDuel in the horse racing business. He was outstanding. We're like, we got to have him on again. Caleb, if you don't mind, could you educate us just a little bit? I think Derby, we all generally understand the preakness differs how well it is just two weeks away from the derby and uh, this this is way more common let's say you know 100 or 50 years ago that a horse would come back and run two weeks uh, later but now you know we're in a more much more lightly raced landscape of thoroughbred racing so coming back in two weeks is like almost unheard of so you know they're holding on to the tradition of you know, 150 years ago when this whole Triple Crown essentially started. But, you know, asking a horse to come back in two weeks is not really uh, of the modern-day program. So that's why, for the first time in 75 years, Mage is the only horse coming out of the Kentucky Derby, but at least he's the winner. Wow, first time in 75 years, just one Derby horse? Right. Wow. (laughs) It's getting more and more like that. And and they actually, um, there was a defection today. Uh, first mission who really had a great chance uh, had to pull out um, due to his trainer just said uh, everything wasn't 100% so you know a field of seven and I think that I'm kind of getting to the point where I, I think that horse racing needs to take a long hard look at redesigning the dates uh, everybody's held on so strongly to the you know two weeks after the derby run the Preakness 
And then three weeks after the previous, you run to Belmont. And I know it's been like that forever, but I don't know. I mean, if they could space these things out four or five weeks to the Preakness and then four or five weeks to the Belmont, you could try to set it up where every good three-year-old runs in all three, and that's not really what we've seen, especially the last two years. Rich Strike didn't even run in last year's Preakness, the Derby winner. That that was also unheard of. So I want to ask this about the Preakness itself. I mean, I know just under basically one and a quarter mile is the distance. The track is de- – you know, we, we here in Indy know so much about the Derby, and I think most people, that's the one they follow the most, Kentucky Derby. So this track is different than Churchill and what we see at the Derby in what way, and it favors what style of horse, if you will. I think that Pimlico is a track that favors the inside and it favors the speed, and I think that Churchill is a track that favors sometimes the outside and favors the closer. So they're, they're about as too different of a racetrack as you can get. No, no real racetrack favors closers, let's be honest. But Churchill, of all, is probably the track that lends itself most to finishers out there in the middle part of the track, whereas Baltimore and Pimlico is really famous for having a great inside, a great rail. And, you know, if you look at the last 20 years, the Derby winners that won from well off the pace, Mind That Bird won from well off the pace, Orb came closing, Animal Kingdom came closing, Monarchos came closing, none of those horses came back to win the Preakness. So the horses that won the Derby and the Preakness – are the ones that won the Derby close to the front end. Big Brown was close to the lead in the Derby. American Pharaoh was close to the lead. California Chrome, Smarty Jones. So you really have to win the Derby close to the pace to put yourself in a position to come back and win the Preakness. Okay, it's a Caleb Keller with us. Uh, at Caleb FDV on Twitter. Caleb, I asked you this a couple weeks ago with the Derby, so I'll do the same today. Um, I've got $10 and I've got $100. How are you betting the 10 How are you bet- betting the 100 Well, when I look at the 10 I'm going to put the 10 on the number one national treasure. Uh, I think that Mage, to me, I, I would love as a fan to see him win the second jewel. And I do think that the der- Derby winner came out of the race with a lot of energy. Sometimes your derby winners, like, just, they wake up on Monday afternoon. Like, honestly, some of these derby winners over the last 20 years have expended so much on that Saturday afternoon race that, you know, they'll just sleep in on Sunday, get up on Monday, and every horse is going to have a rest day after a race. But Mage, you know, popped out of the race on Sunday very well. So he does have high energy. I just think that in this race, the one national treasure is a horse that is going to get a perfect setup. Because when you look at his siblings and his grandparents, they love having the lead. And in my mind, front runners, that kind of runs in the family. So this is a perfect race for the one to get the lead with the blinkers on. There's that guy with the white hair and the glasses, Bob Baffert, who's going to make his reemergence into the race. Oh, Baffert's and back. Mage, you know, I think that Mage does have the talent to come. At, I think it's a two-horse race, just National Treasure and Mage. And the thing with Mage is that he has speed to be close, but he actually has been break, breaking poorly. But he has so much talent that with him breaking poorly, he's been able to make a big rally in the Florida Derby, finish second to Forte. And then he, he actually broke the worst out of any 18 horse in the, uh, the Kentucky Derby and still won. So he's kind of learning on the fly, Mace, to come from off the pace. I just think that this is a race where even if he does break better, National Treasure has so much speed. And there's only one other speed horse, and that's the long shot, the four coffee with Chris. And I think, if anything, he just keeps National Treasure focused. So back to the profile of the track, 
inside speed, getting the rail. I'm going to put the $10 on National Treasure to win, and then the $100, I'll just go for the box. I'm going to take Mage and National Treasure, $50, exact to box those two. I think they're a way class above the rest, especially when you take out first mission. But I'm going to give the slight lean to National Treasure to win the second jewel. Interesting. Caleb, this might be a dumb question, but like, why weren't these horses in the Preakness in the Derby? Well, first mission who had to scratch, he's kind of a late starter. And then, um, you know, he just got started back in February, and he actually didn't have enough points. So he was just too late to the game. And then for National Treasure, um, the whole thing with Bob Baffert having to give his horses to another trainer and then uh, then come back to him. And National Treasure, I think, could have potentially made the Derby, but Bob Baffert all along, I think, wanted to keep these horses in his barn. Uh, which wasn't necessarily the case. This horse had one start into another barn. But I think that Baffert knew that he couldn't run in the Derby, and he also can't run in the Belmont. But this was the race that he could still run in. So, you know, I think he knew that this was going to be his best chance. He put the blinkers on. Uh, Bob Baffert's favorite place to have a horse is on the lead, and this is a horse that not only could get the lead, but then also drew perfectly with the one post to get the lead. So that's the most dangerous place to put a Bob Baffert horse is on the lead. They're very hard to pass. So my last question would be for the Belmont, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but if the numbers are down in terms of who's going to run in the Preakness, what does that mean in terms of, you know, are we going to see like a 73 Belmont that has like six horses in it? I think the Belmont will have some more. I think that, you know, you've got, when you only have one horse coming out of the Derby, then you've got a lot that are going to be parked for the Belmont. You know, Angel of Empire, who ran a good third, is going to be in the Belmont. Tap it Trice, he ran seventh in the Derby, but he could run all day. And uh, he's by Tappet, who's won uh, like five or six Belmonts. And he's for Todd Pletcher, who's won like five or six Belmonts. So the Belmont will fill up. And I will tell you this, guys. So the Belmont is actually going to be on, you ready for this, Big Fox. I mean, the oh. first time in like 20 years that NBC is not covering a Triple Crown race. So, you know, uh, Fox and the New York Racing Association have a pretty close partnership. So they ponied up the big money. And now Fox is going to have the final jewel of the Triple Crown. And that also means that the legendary Hall of Fame voice, Tom Durkin, is going to come back. They just announced yesterday, out of retirement, to call the Belmont. And Tom Durkin is the best race caller ever in my mind by like five and a half lengths. I mean, this guy is the GOAT of race calling. And how about this? He called for like 30-something years and had a lot of close calls in the Triple Crown. And the year he retired, that next season, American Pharaoh won the long shot Triple Crown. So for, for Tom Durkin and for the game and for everything, I would, as a fan, love to see Mage win this second jewel and have a triple crown of the line with Tom Durkin back on the microphone at the Belmont. Caleb, one of the things I know in conclusion in working in auto racing and occasionally, especially this time of year before the Indy 500, being asked to go on in different markets to kind of preview the 500 is I'm aware of the fact that I have to speak to it in a term that not everybody is a diehard auto racing fan and understand what goes on. And I think it's a challenge. I'm not saying I do it well. I think you do a tremendous job in describing horse racing that's a benefit to our listeners and being able to do it in a way that I'm sure probably is simplistic in your mind to the average person, but it translates really well. And I think it's very much appreciated your ability to communicate what it is that we're going to see this weekend and what we saw at the Derby. So I very much appreciate that. 
No, thanks a lot. And that's something on FanDuel is like, obviously you've got the everyday customer that you don't want to, you don't want to talk uh, down to their knowledge, but also you've got people that are tuning in that you need to somewhat explain things to. And one last thing here, guys, before we go, I just, I'm at the point now where I'm so glad that Mage is running, but the last two years, like this is, this is kind of the position that horse racing needs to take the long, hard look at maybe changing things. And I've never really been on that side of it, but let's not forget that college football used to have the riders vote for the national championship. And then they went to the BCS and it got better. And they went to the playoff and it got even better. And now the expanded playoff might be even better. And then didn't college basketball have like a tournament of like just 32 back in like the sixties and fifties. Yeah. Like you just as you go so along. Like, right. Exactly. So like now this year with only seven horses and last year, not having the Kentucky Derby winner, like I think we're at a point now where we have a long, hard conversation about spacing these things out where every race, the whole collection of all the best three-year-olds gets to come. And that not, hasn't really been the case over the last few years. Caleb, outstanding. Jake was spot on with your knowledge that you've brought here each of the last couple of Fridays with us before the Derby and then today before the Preakness. So we appreciate that. And again, it's at CalebFDTV on Twitter for everybody out there. Caleb, enjoy the Preakness, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Caleb Keller right there on the Payless Stickers Hotline. Jake, one Derby horse in the Preakness, first time in 75 years. How do you not look that as a problem? Yeah. If you're in the horse racing no, business. No, you, you are correct. You know that's that's pretty wild. I'll, I'll tell you wild. what, I'm tired of these horses at load management. I didn't see Secretary doing that crap. <laughs> so that's, you know what that is? That, that's actually a decent one by you. Participation trophy era. That's what it is. I'm glad that Baffert's back. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a big fan. Uh, right? I'm a big Baffert. You know, we need Belichick. We need Baffert. We need all the villains. <laughs> that's he is a villain. Looks There's like no Ashley Schaefer from Eastbound and Down. Baffert. Yeah. Now, if you're Fox, can you imagine how much you're rooting for Mage tomorrow night? Oh, yeah. You get to Belmont for the first time ever. It's the only horse you can root for. I mean, literally, you are all in on Mage tomorrow. Post time around 6.50. So he said National Treasure and Mage. That's who he's boxing together. So we'll have to do that here to get a little action going on the Preakness. All right, we will. Nobody gets hurt if they're boxing. Round, we'll round it out one final time. Kevin, it is 9.40 on Friday, man. You have almost made Bring it. On the little kings. In my opinion, that sucked. Freebie Friday with the pop quiz. Pair of 500 tickets. Jiffy Lube oil change. 317-239-1070. Again, we are local all day long here on the fan. Brandon King's. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Got you. From 10 to noon over at the Jiffy Lube in Brownsburg. And very fittingly, we will lead into him with the Freebie Friday Jiffy Lube oil change coming your way along with a pair of tickets to the 500 a week from Sunday, Jake, I have not seen you study a pop quiz more in a break than you just did. I did. Scotty and I had fun going over one of them, and I'm kind of proud of the fact that I was able to come up on the second guess with the correct answer. Your uh, level of difficulty for this one? Uh, three. I'd say the most variety, Scotty, I've seen in a while. A little bit of everything here to round out the week. By the way, this from uh, Zachary. He's messaged me here on Instagram. Uh, I ordered Little Kings to Plainfield Liquor off 70. She said that it'll be in on Tuesday. I'll bring it to the station next week. Hell yes. 
We're gonna have little kings all week. I feel like love it. That's how we're we're going down the path now. Gonna be just a diet next week. Mayo, <laughs> little kings. Well, longs. <laughs> Apparently, you can have the mayo twice. Sure, according, according to our callers uh, Mark, earlier. That was great. Other Mark. That was terrific. Uh, Mark Dykton, how about you? Number one through eight. Okay, uh, let's go. Caller three. There's three of us. We keep talking about three little kings. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yep. Scott. Scott. Yeah. This is. Yeah, this is Scott. Oh, Scott McLaughlin's going on with Brendan King here. Uh, hey, Scott, how you doing? I'm doing just great. Scott, I know Jake will ask you, so might as well get it out of the way. How many Little Kings have you consumed in your life? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, if I win these tickets, I'm going to drink a lot of Little Kings, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Scott. Well, good news. The tickets are already coming your way, so, you know, buy the keg right now. That's right. Oh, my. Oh, my. Scott, did you grow up in the in the Indianapolis area? Uh, yes, I did, and my father took me to the racetrack pretty much every year when I was little. So I'm excited to have the opportunity to take my son there. It's going to be great. Who won Love the that. Indy 500 in the year of your high school graduation? Oh gosh, I guess that'd be 1992. That'd be Alonzo Jr. over Scott Goodyear. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was a close race. And it was definitely Alan under uh, Alan Jr. And and you were what was the temperature at, that day, Jake? Fifty, I believe it was fifty-five or fifty-six at the start of the race. Uh, you were at what high school at that time? Uh, Perry Meridian. Okay, mm, the Falcons uh, are soaring. All right, here we go. Would you like for me? That would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one. Oh, gosh. Uh, let's just do Kevin. All right, Scott. Number one here, Jamal Murray. 23 of his game high, 37 points in the fourth quarter as the Nuggets took a two-game-to-none lead over the Lakers in the NBA's Western Conference Finals. It was the fourth time Murray has scored 20 or more points in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. Who has the most 20-point fourth quarters in the playoffs since 2000? And those in Canada are very happy. Is it A, Murray, B, LeBron, C, Steph Curry, or D, Paul Pierce? Uh, Paul Pierce. I guess those in Canada and those in Lexington would be very happy about this. Not Lawrence, Lexington. Uh, Question two, John Robb shot a six part. uh, By the way, Scott, have you seen the movie Jaws? Uh, Yes, I have. Scott, you want another guess at number one? Oh, gosh. Uh, Oh, gosh. LeBron, I guess. Now Can- Canada and Lexington, they're really happy about this one. Murray, LeBron, Steph Curry. Jake has an unnatural hatred okay. for this person. All right. Okay. Uh, Murray. One more dark. Bill Murray, yes. Third time uh, charm. Question number two. Keep in mind that you've seen the movie Jaws. John Rahm shot a six over par 76 in the opening round of the PGA at Oak Hill. The worst opening round score in relation to par for a world number one at the PGA Championship. Tiger Woods shot five over in 2005. Who is the other reigning world number one to open a PGA Championship with a five over par round? Nick Faldo, Seve Ballesteros, Greg Norman, or David Duvall? Gosh, I'd say Norman. Okay. All right, number three here, Scott. We have one woman entry for the Indianapolis 500 this year. Is it A, Catherine Leg, B, Milka Duno, C, Pippa Mann, or D, Danica Patrick? Uh, uh, what was the first name again? Catherine Leg. Yeah, we'll go with her. That's a good call. Uh, 
Question four. Roger Penske, the winningest car owner in Indy 500 history. He's won 18 times. There are three car owners that have won it five times. Which is not one of them? Chip Ganassi, Lou Moore, A.J. Foyt, or Michael Andretti? Uh, it'd be uh, A.J. Okay. And number five, Scott, Pete Rose would break Stan Musial's record. That'd be Musial. Musial's Stan, record. Stan Musial. I feel like I've got a Greg Rexdorf. How many little kings throat. have you had today, Kev? <laughs> <laughs> On this day in 1962, Musial set the record. Whose record did Stan the Man break on May 19th, 1962? A, Paul Wayner. B, Cap Anson, C, Zach Wheat, or D, Honus Wagner? If you've got this guy's baseball card, you could retire tomorrow. Oof. Oh, gosh, I wish it was Honus Wagner. Yeah, I got. I think I got two or three of those cards, right? Yeah, man, can you imagine? Be sitting on $9 million. All right, here we go. Um, did, did he just do what I think he did? What's that? What's well, a freebie Friday? He performed better than you did trying to announce Gosh, the name of the most boy, famous St. Yeah. Louis Cardinal of all time. It shows you want to think of the Cardinals. Uh, I got no problem with it. <laughs> it took a little coaxing, but Jamal Murray, I don't think he got Jamal yeah, Murray ever correct, did he? Uh, like after about seven tries, Scott eventually got there. Uh, he got the shark reference uh, for see, Greg Norman. Uh, great, though. Uh, it is Catherine Lake. Let's go! I thought number four, Jake. I didn't think it was a given. That was nice by him. No, that was well done. AJ Foyt with four. Loud! Musial. Musial? 61. He did not own his car. Stan Musial. So how many Honus Wagner cards are out there? Is it nine? There are three that are in circulation or known. Yeah. And the reason for this? I thought this was uh, Honus, Honus Wagner, back then baseball cards were printed in coordination with tobacco companies in tobacco boxes. And Honus Wagner was opposed to that. He didn't think that kids should be influenced to buy tobacco products. So he put a kibosh on it, and as a result of that, there were only a few cards that were printed, and then and he was a great baseball player, and that was that. Scott, tap the keg of Little Kings, man. That's a five for fiver here. Do they make kegs of Little Kings? Well, I don't think so. Mark, are we going to celebrate with them? a keg of Little Kings is like a 30-ounce beer, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I like how all of a sudden Mark's become a Little Kings expert. Well, I had to go to six liquor stores to try to find it yesterday. He's never heard of it, but he knows everything there is about it, right? Look at this picture on Google Images, sir. Do you have this? <laughs> did, did Did you play the celebration for him? Yeah, I did. I played all the all the sounders. I don't. We're, we're not hearing it. Don't we usually do the like? Hey, well, I got to yeah. get. It. We got a busy little end of the show here. Okay. You want to talk to Brendan King? Real oh, quick? do we have him? Yeah, ready to go. Brendan King, we're going a little local here at 10 to noon, right? What's up, boys? How we doing? Good, man. It is a beautiful day on Fast Friday, and I went to sleep at like 3 o'clock in the morning because I was having a heart attack about the Florida Panthers, so we're doing great. Gosh, I, I forgot that you've got some Panthers fandom in you, so walk us through oh, this. a lot. Lack uh, of sleep and heart attacks. Let's just go ahead and make fun of everything about my life, Brendan. What else? Ooh, Anything else you're no, throwing? No, of course not. Ooh, ouch. That's a tough way to end the show. 13 seconds to go in the fourth overtime. Is that correct? 13 seconds to go. Matthew Kachuk, who was acquired last year in a blockbuster trade, boys, ends it. Unreal. 
Panthers are three wins away from the Stanley Cup final. I can't believe I'm saying that sentence. Gosh. Are you a Panthers fan? I didn't know this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my parents have had a place in Naples since I was really little. We started going to Panthers games, and I was like, hey, I'm going to stick with them. They became my Eastern Conference team because the Hawks are in the West. So, uh, hey, you know, you got to ride the lightning. So who would no you take intended. if the Panthers and Blackhawks were playing in the Stanley Cup finals? Ooh, they, see, I, I thank God I've never really had to worry about that. But, uh, I, I, you know, the Hawks made me very happy with three cups. I want the Panthers to, to get a cup, man. BK, so, we got 15 seconds to go. A little rundown of who you got today. 10 to noon today. Scott McLaughlin coming up here in just a matter of minutes, boys. Looking forward to it. Uh, certainly one of the favorites to keep an eye on here. As we get into Fast Friday, Qual's coming up. Brendan King's got you from 10 to noon. Uh, we're continuing to give away a pair of tickets to the 500. Everybody have a great Qual's weekend. We'll talk to you at the Pulse Center on Monday.